We were on a break! <laughs> oh my God, if you say that one more time, I'm gonna break up with you. I need a little time to work it out A little time to think about On episode two four six, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, it's the prof. Gary, there's a strange man in my lair. He's staring at me with a clipboard. A prisoner has escaped. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're not alone. We have Rovers fan and SRFC TV commentator, Swedish women's football expert, Tifty's bedtime storyteller. It's Carl Morby. Calm, very, very welcome. How are you, lads? It is a sweltering day in the hot bed, prof. It's very warm. It's extremely warm. Jeans was a bad choice. Jeans were a bad choice. <laughs> Well, the shorts were a bad choice for Carl, in fairness. Uh, well, I'm going to rock them, and I'm, I'm sticking to them. So, of course, we're still sponsored by Ocean Electrical and um, Leicester Credit, of course, our partners for life in debauchery and all sorts, Prof. So, um, we will move on. And, Con, you are going to be turning the microphone on us a little bit later, but we're going to do our usual thing. And uh, we're going to review a Tonkin over UCD and look ahead to Daily Mount on Friday week. And there's also an interview with Gary Pordy and Martin Brennan, two long-standing hoops, about their other love, West Ham. So the Conference League story that broke last week about them winning it. And I was saying, the Prof, I was saying that um, I can understand why he chose this because West Ham have never really won a thing. Mm, that's what appealed to me. Yeah. And it's... Um, I, I always used to say that I don't get the love and admiration that Rovers fans who go week in week out have for English teams and how they can feel the same way I don't get how they have that connection but this is a nice little um, story about mm. people who do feel that way and ultimately follow their team week in week out and go up and down the country following so it is it's a nice it's a we're, we're going easy on the Barstoolers this this week what I stressed at the start they only had 6,000 tickets to buy so you can understand why the two of them had no chance of getting to Prague they could have gone to Prague but in terms of getting the stadium, so six thousand, and the other crew get six thousand as well. I'm guessing. What and was the total ne- capacity? Neutrals? I can't remember what it was now. Small. Then you get a lot of your eight officials yeah. and neutrals and all that. But the freebies, they get the bulk. Yeah. But can you imagine being a West Ham fan growing up in school? That's that's what I was yeah, curious about. Pretty cool, yeah. Um, there was always one, wasn't there? It was always an odd team in cl- in the class. Someone uh, fo- followed someone strange. This actually came up in work today. Fans, you know, of weird clubs. And I was saying, I know two West Brom fans. That's enough. But no, well, I can understand the connection there. That'd be John Jones, yeah. wouldn't it? Well, they'd be, they're older fellas, but yeah, Liam Whelan and Joe Barnes. Oh, Joe, yeah. Big yeah. Baggies fan, yeah. So last week, Keith Dignam and Joe Hanrahan. Um, Con, did you get that one in? Oh, it was great. Really, really. I listened to that in the airport in Tenerife, actually coming back. And it was fabulous. Uh, no, see, two other guys who 
never met a Maori puff. They, um, like ships in the night more so, weren't they? they and robbers, but yeah. they spent the first three, four seasons at yeah. UCD, yeah. They would have played together at yeah. UCD, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, And you see, for somebody like me who would have seen them playing for UCD and then playing for Rovers at different times, like it was just, it was great to hear them talk. And that's, that's one of the things about this podcast that I just love, that you, you do interviews like that with those guys. I, they were, I thought they were brilliant. Really. Were you thinking back to it, when you heard the names, were you thinking remember them oh Jesus Christ absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean Keith Dignam was a he kind of talked himself down a little bit in the interview but he was a really tidy centre midfielder yeah. you know got the ball passed it always passed it to a teammate very good and Joe Hanrahan was an explosive kind of winger forward great mm. player as well so yeah no, there were different types of players but, but it was great to hear them yeah, Keith kept apologising. I was like, am I rambling on a bit? Oh, what he tells that? that was driving me mad, by the way, because he was telling this <laughs> unbelievable story about going to Africa and fellas fucking rocks onto the pitch and knocking out the referee and everything. It was an amazing story. And he kept saying, oh, I'm sorry if I'm going on. I'm saying, no, no, keep telling keep the going. story. That was the best part the of the The dummy car <laughs> was brilliant. The dummy car. Yeah. Stolen the dummy car. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Anton Matthews, actually, in work, he, he was at both legs of UCD against Everton, 1984. Wow. Cup winners cup. Yeah, can't imagine too many people around now. Both legs. Season ticket holder at Goodison Park, yeah. and a Rovers stalwart. Uh, Colin Miller from the Daily Mail or Daily Mirror. The Conference League is such a wonderful idea. Roma's first major trophy in fourteen years. West Ham's first major trophy in forty-three years. Football is all about moments and enjoying successes for fans, players, and managers. And something I totally, totally agree with. Um, I think a debate popped up on Twitter about whether it's a Mickey Mouse Cup or something like that, but, I mean, you said it brilliantly last week. Football's about creating store, creating memories and winning trophies and having those memories. This was Bill. You were saying, well, you finished fourth grade. No problem. You're going to remember that for the rest of your life. You're going to remember winning the Conference League in Prague with your family and your kids. 100%. It's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant idea, and I think it was planted, the seeds were planted for Rovers a long time ago, and I think that possibly prompted the, the investment. Yeah. It's a great competition for great competition for clubs at our level, like ourselves and Narn, or even the Welsh clubs. I think, I think maybe did the Welsh club have a bit of success last year? Possibly, um, it might have been TNS and or Town, maybe. Then you have clubs like West Ham, who otherwise never would have gotten to a European final. But then you have to think about the whole situation with our seeds at the minute and the seeds that are next to us. So we're seeded, but the teams that are seeded with us, I wouldn't be too unhappy drawing those either. If you look at them, if you look at the actual pool, like we were the, discussing before this, we were the, talking about hacking. The projected pot. The projected yeah. pot, yeah. It's not the worst in the world. Like, but the there's team, two out of the five. There's are, a few tricky ones. Two yeah. out of the five, are, you're thinking, would we beat them? Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. But anything can happen, you know. The that Swedes part. and the Poles. The Swedes and the Poles, yeah. So our Hoops and Hammers feature. So fans of Boat Rovers and West Ham. If Gary Pordy and Martin Bad News Brennan, is that his actual name? <laughs> According to Did Gary. Did you make that up? According to Gary, that's his nickname, yeah. Bad News Brennan. <laughs> What do I think that was a name for football? So it's a Sunday afternoon here and we have two Rowers fans who have just seen their other English team win a European trophy with incredible scenes. And it's all anyone's talking about. Of course, I'm referring to West Ham's Conference League triumph on Thursday night. And we have Gary Purdy and Martin Brennan. Welcome, lads. How are you, Carl? Hey, Carl. How's it going? We had some serious battles with Zoom the last day or so, but we got there in the end. Uh, Gary, you sent me a video from Brannigan's pub on the night yeah. where a lot of Irish fans watched it. Only 6,000 allowed in Prague, so extremely difficult to get a ticket unless you're Des Cattle. 
Uh, <laughs> tell us about the day building up to it and then the night, Gary. Oh, well, we had to get in there. We made in Brannigan's. We've made in there since basically 1993 on and off. And we had to have the room upstairs. Like sometimes there wouldn't be, but there was people coming back that we hadn't seen in ages, but they were members from the start. So we had to send people downstairs and all. We were there from like half six. Martin was probably there earlier. He's on the committee. But uh, my son and I was back from Australia. He had been in Upton Park, my son David, about 10 times, but he was in Australia for six years. And we went to the Leeds game, the last home game there with the Dublin Hammers Club. So that was his first visit to the new stadium. So he turned up with his cousin and he had to wait downstairs. But like when we got in, it was basically standing on top of one another, <laughs> as, as you might have seen in the video. The day before, we were just nervous up to getting into town and getting into the pub and hoping things would go well, which they did. Couldn't have been better. But uh, yeah, it was. I was there in 1980 at Wembley when they won the FA Cup. I was down the West Ham end, 100,000 on my own. I was 19. I went over with my friends and his girlfriend. They were Leeds and uh, Liverpool supporters. So I was down the West Ham end and that was, I witnessed them. That was their last time in 1980 to win a cup. But they yeah, were in the was, cup. That was the orange last bit of silverware. But Martin, you'd be too young to have seen that, wouldn't you? Tell us about the, the build up to your day. Yeah, that was about, uh, about four years before my time. I was born in 84, so I missed out on that. Uh, yeah, that's my only memory of uh, silverware would be playoff finals, play, winning playoffs were just as good to me. But um, yeah, coming up to my day, be honest with the Carl, it was crazy. Um, in our club, we have roughly about seventy members. Um, we we do a, we have we have members every we do a membership every year. We roughly have about seventy members, but in the two weeks leading up, basically from when we won that semi final up to that. I got well over a hundred messages from people wanting to come and join us and Brannigan's on that night. Um, lads who are visiting from the UK, lads who are living in Dublin, living in Tipperary, living in Carlo, all wanting to come up and join on the evening. So it was a little bit stressful, a little bit of chaos because we kind of had to look after members first and foremost. Um, as Gary said, like I was there from five, and there was we must have had forty or forty people downstairs and. It's a bit of an awkward conversation, kind of saying, look, we have to ask you to wait until they come up. But thankfully, we got everyone in on the night and it was just, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. It's the next best thing to see in a game live. I know, look, you have the perception of, you know, bar still football. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, I wouldn't consider myself to be one of them, to be perfectly honest with you. I have a season ticket with a, with a West Ham and Gary's been over quite a bit as well. But, you know, they say watching football in the pub, you know, it's not the same as watching that as a game, but well, to be honest with you, when you're a West Ham fan, you only get us to see once in your lifetime. It's <laughs> as good as anything, as good as anything. So give us your reaction to the Bowen's 19th minute winner uh, when he peels away. Uh, I was listening back to the commentary there again. It was epic. Uh, what's going through your mind as as he runs towards goal? Honestly, it was just, if, if when, when looking at it, I don't think I would have wanted it to fall to any other player. He's just, Jared Bowen has just been amazing for us. But when he went through on goal and he scored, first reaction, I didn't really get to react because uh, my best mate, Marco, jumped on me back and almost pumped me to the floor. 
Um, <laughs> but when I did get a minute to compose myself, there was the dreaded VAR trick. You had to wait. So, but my God, I just couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe that we. I never thought I'd see us win. I know Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea fans. They'll all say it's a Tim Pot Cup. It's made up cup. Blah blah blah. To me, it's a, it's it's the, it's like winning the Champions League for me. You know, it's West Ham winning the European Cup. Never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. It's completely overcome with emotion. It's amazing. Amazing. And what sort of emotion did you experience, Gary, for the goal and then the, the seven or eight minutes injury time was as well, wasn't there? How, how was the nerves? Well, it was just, it was, I go back to 2006 when they played Liverpool in the FA Cup final and Gerrard scored a cracking goal in the last minute. It was like, when that went in, it was like getting a box off Tyson. I just flew back onto my seat. I was with me. Three of my kids were with me beside, and I was in 2006. They were all West Ham supporters at the time. But uh, I was thinking, is this going to happen again? You know, are we going to extra time, penalties and all this? But when I said we're going through, it was just a surreal moment because he'd so much, to, he was running for so long with the ball. And then when he hit it, nearly dribbled over the line when the keeper got his touch to it and that place just exploded. I was hoping the ceiling would would stay standing with the amount of people bouncing up and down because it's a small enough room in Brannigan's upstairs where we meet, you know, with the amount of people there. And, oh, no, it was just... You, you just... I have it recorded and I'm going to uh, watch it again, but like, tears were coming out of the eyes. I just... I couldn't believe it. But uh, it was so to get a winner like that, you couldn't make it up, right or over stuff. You know, you look back here, and uh, like they had lost in the had lost in the nineteen seventy six cup final to Anderlecht for two, and they had so it's our second European piece of silverware, and they can, they, as Martin says, they can make it up at the start, even at the start of the season. Some of the lads in our club are saying the conference they are like, oh, more towards the thing, but. It's a European Cup, and you can see after Mourinho with Roma last year uh, in Brasna, and it's gone this way again. And we're into the Europa League now, straight into the group stages. So, uh, we don't know. We're still, uh, it's still surreal. Like, I go around in my West Ham shorts, a different one every day, and people in the street, kids and all, that would have never said anything about West Ham. They're all, even in the square, walking around on Friday. Loads of people shouting up the hammers and West Ham this and that and kids and oh West Ham and all this. So it's it's put them on the map in more ways than one. And there's the three Italian teams. I said that halfway through the Roma game. There's three Italian teams in the final. And what if the three of them lose? And that's the way it's worked out after last night. But West Ham, uh, oh, it's, it's brilliant. And I hope this, like we're waiting so long. That's my dog barking. Dog, he's probably celebrating. Um, yeah, hopefully this will start with uh, a run for West Ham getting silverware. Because I remember saying, sorry, I'll just let <laughs> Now, one out. It was when Rovers won the FA Cup against Dundalk. I was talking on FAI TV outside the ground and I was saying this would be the start of a number of trophies, you know, legs and legs, and that's the way it's worked out. So hopefully it'll work the same way with West Ham now. So we can get more silverware because it's such a monster club like that 60,000 60 it'll be the second biggest ground in England next season when they put, they're putting in more seats another 4,000 like Old Trafford will be the biggest and they'll have 66,000 there and they used to say they wouldn't fill it when they left um, Upton Park they used to hold 35,000 but like West Ham must have half a million fans in London alone 
Martin, I think it was the same for you, wasn't it? A lot of emotion afterwards. And just to touch on what Gary's talking about there, can you understand the attitude of other English clubs, the way they kind of turn their noses up at this competition? When you look at the scenes on Thursday, how much it meant to West Ham as a club and their fans? Yeah, that, that's it. Exactly what Gary said. There was even members in our club, and it, it kind of shocks me, to be perfectly honest with you, that they traded with such disrespect. After saying, I think the best thing that ever could have happened for the trophy was the likes of Jose Mourinho being one of the first winners. I mean, that guy is a serial winner. I mean, he celebrated that like he had won the World Cup. Fella, chap went out and got a tattoo of the bloody thing on his arm and everything. So, I mean, if it means that much to Jose Mourinho, and I mean, another another point I want to touch on as well, we had such a terrible, terrible season. West Ham had an awful league campaign. And to finish it off with that, get your open league, it's it's incredible. It's it's absolutely incredible. The the hope is obviously that you know one day we get we see to get we get to see a Rovers team going that far in the competition and maybe Europa League higher and getting to that far and winning a trophy like that. It I mean it's just the, the significance of of a European trophy. No matter what name they put on it, it's a European trophy. Um, I think the only thing I was a bit disappointed with was with regards to maybe the way UEFA treated it. With the final being in Prague, I mean the twenty thousand seater stadium doesn't exactly scream, you know, huge cer- huge uh, ceremony. A little bit disappointing in that sense. It could have been held in a bigger stadium, but apart from that, I mean, it's it's your. I don't care what anyone says. It's a European trophy. I mean, I I, I think me and Gary went around that room there on Thursday night, and I don't think I've ever seen so many grown men cry, literally just completely overcome with emotion to to be to be European champions. And as Gary said, this little kid stopped me in the street. They would have all known me for years being a West Ham fan. And they get the same same reaction, up the hammers, saying, well, at one point I would have got stick of our overs being in the fourth division and West Ham being in the championship. And now I'm a follower too. too well, one, one winner and one serial winner. So things are looking good for me on the football side of things for once. <laughs> Speaking of Mourinho, Moisey did his best Mourinho impression running onto the pitch. That's going to become, it was a hilarious moment, but it was going to become an iconic moment, isn't it, that one? Absolutely. Comical. Between that and his dancing in the dressing room to the Proclaimers was a bit of a, was a bit of a scene I never thought I'd see either. But, uh, uh, look, me and Gary both wouldn't have been, we probably wouldn't have been big, biggest fans of Moisey during last season's campaign. But, I mean, the guy will go down now in history, and rightly so, go down in West Ham's history as one of our greatest managers ever. I mean, when you look back over the last couple of years, what he's done with us, took us top, what was it, top six, top, sorry, top seven, top eight. Okay, this campaign was a bit short, but I mean, he's won a European trophy. That's He's got to be up there with the best with the, you know, it's it's probably hard to say, but he's up there with the John Loyals and the Ron Greenwoods. He's, he's got to be up there with them after that, um, after that run. And, Look, I think if you're an, an unbiased football man and you look what David Moyes has done to fo- for football over the years, you wouldn't begrudge him that trophy. You, you certainly wouldn't begrudge him that trophy. And Gary, uh, as Robbers and West Ham fans, you've had a lot of involvement with this Conference League season going all the way back to August with us being in the group stage. So how many games did you get, I suppose, in total between Robbers West Ham in this campaign and any memories from the earlier rounds whether it be Robbers or West Ham going back to now Um, yeah well that season like I was at all the home Robbers games it's a 
the only Rovers game I've got to on in Europe was would have been the Tottenham game back in 2010, was it? Of Wee Lane. Yeah. But uh, my memories that. But the group side is like it's awkward with the six o'clock kickoffs, you know, to, even to get into town and you don't get many. But uh, as I went, to, it was last from last season. I was saying like hopefully they've learned our lesson when they played Eintracht Frankfurt in the semi-final. And it, this season it worked the same way. They went, to, they were a goal down after one minute against Eintracht Frankfurt. They lost a home two one, and then they lost one nil uh, away. But it's worked the same. They, they won two one, and they. And they won one nil. They walked walk the same way in the two legs in the semi-finals this season. Um, I thought, uh, what what way did the balance? You were saying at the start, but uh, as a, as hopefully uh, we just get get through the group. But they, like they won, what did they play? Fifteen games. They got one fourteen out of fifteen. They drew the other one. Like the, the record is just amazing. No matter what way you, what way you dress it up, like it's a European games. You have to play and be what's in front of you. And it seems they were able to do that. And it was as Martin was saying, like they lost our they lost uh, with the European semi-final last year, getting to it. They only won one of the last seven games. So they, they could have got a top four. They could have got a Champions League spot last season. But this season they lost the first three three games. Then for the World Cup break, they lost the last three games. So it being that way in the league this season. And then the European games, it was Trying to juggle the squad around and play this player and that player and playing with only one up front, Antonio up front all the time. Then bringing in Skamaka for 45 million and he didn't do the job at all. We've had that problem with Sebastian Allaire last season, bringing, paying the same amount of money for him and he's not, not doing the job. I don't know if it's the way West Ham play with one man up front. I think these players need to play another player going back to the day when you had. Campbell and Buckley going back to the Fardner out him. But I think since Thames only want to play one up front, one man on his own up front since Messi came along over in the last 20 years or 15 years, and there's not too many Messies out there. A lot of times they won't. They play five in the midfield and just one up front or four in the midfield and four in the back. But uh, hopefully he'll keep going now and they'll. It looks like Declan Lewis is going to go, but that money has to be invested big time, not put into the Karen Brady's or David Sullivan's pocket. That has to be invested on players this time. And it's getting there. Uh, I'm, I'm annoyed that they didn't go after Tillemans off. He's gone from Leicester to, I think, Aston Villa now. But I thought when, <coughs> they should have put a bid in for him, but they're probably waiting to see how much they're getting for Rice. Unfortunately, he should have been able to build this team around him. But he wouldn't sign this contract. They gave him a 200, offered him 200 grand a week, and he didn't, he wouldn't sign it. So, unfortunately, that's the way it goes. But football moves on, and let's head towards the next season. We start the leg, hit the ground running, and uh, take it from there. Plus the European games. Then you have your leg cup and all. There's so many games. You need, you nearly need two teams to play to get through all these league FA Cup, Europa League, and and your leg campaigns. The same at Rovers, like you nearly have two teams to get through all these games. You say they hit that bad spell, now they're, they're gone six points ahead in a, after losing two games. So we're in a break there, and when Rovers come back, they'll be still hopefully on top of the league as well. Um, saying, yeah, but I was saying uh, the Aveva, the Aveva final, that's where the Europa League final is next season. So, oh, you're hoping to yeah. get there. 
West Ham and Rovers. Don't be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that'll be, that may end dropping down. So hopefully, Rovers will stay in the Champions League spots and get through them. Yeah, well, Martin, you're you're younger than, than Gary, so you wouldn't have seen 1980. Maybe you, you probably saw the 2006 uh, Cup final, that, that near miss. But what's it like being a West Ham fan in Dublin and in school? Like, you're very much in the minority. Yeah, very much so, very much so. I think the old guy goes, um, was actually was actually a guy that was thrown at us by uh, one Kenny Cunningham in Dublin Airport. And we were all in there, Jesus, must have been 2015, we were going away, we do a couple of club trips a year, and we were sitting at the bar, and uh, Kenny Cunningham came in, and Captain Charisma, as I like to call him, uh, basically come over to us, and he, what's the story of the West Ham Tops? He says, Jesus, you've come a long way since meeting in a phone box, haven't you, because it was more than two of us, but uh, <laughs> yeah, very, very much in the minority, in a younger age, but listen, I, I'll be totally honest with you, when I was growing up, West Ham what probably wouldn't have been my first love. As I was saying to you, Shamrock Rovers would have been my, my first love growing up just purely because of my uncle. Um, my uncle Gino played for Rovers, so I was Rovers mad. He used to have me over watching the reserve team games and everything with him over in uh, over in the RDS. But uh, yeah, growing up as a hammer though, Jesus, tough. <laughs> tough is the, way, it's the only way I can describe it, but still great memories. As I say, like... You know, winning European trophies is amazing, but winning the playoff final was just as amazing to us. That was probably the highlight of what we got. As Gary said, the FA Cup final where we lost the Gerrard one was a was a horrible one to take. Um, I suppose this year, with regards to the the Euro Conference, my biggest fear, and uh, I work with it. I work with it. Another good hoof, young Jason Maloney. Uh, I was telling him uh, my biggest fear was to draw at the conference. I was, oh, please, God, no, don't put Rovers and West Ham in the same group. That was my biggest fear that we were going to be in the same group. Is that what it caused? Chaos. Absolute chaos. Devoid of loyalties, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that would have been, I think, I think as tough as it would be me to say, I think I think the Hoops would have taken over. I think the Hoops definitely would have taken over. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I think Gary would be the same, but I think yeah. we'd have to abstain from going into Brannigan's to, what, to uh, see any games for the away game or. I think I would have abstained from going to either game because my loyalties would have just been, my heart would have been broken watching it. Gary mentioned the 2019 Cup final. That's an obvious one, but what would be, what would you pick as like some of your favourite Rovers moments uh, since following the club in the, early, in the 90s, as you said? Uh, oh, Jesus, it'd, it'd have to be winning the league in uh, 94. Um, as I said, one of my fondest memories that year, obviously, as I say, we were going to just remember the team being so good. I always remember going to see. Uh, I'm not sure whether it was the, was the 14 season or. But I always one of my memories that sticks out in my mind was Rovers against Bowes and Daly Mount. I always remember over the first wave was packed full of Rovers fans. Gago scored a goal, and jumped up onto the fence behind the goal and was rattling the fence. It's like something you'd see at a Turkish match. It was absolute chaos. The dragging out of it. it was absolutely world class. That year, yeah. <laughs> the first year I ever done mascot as well done mascot in a game against Shells it wasn't the, the league it wasn't the day we won the league but um, it was an FAO Cup game I just remember coming out there just thinking this is absolutely amazing amazing I just felt just the, the love I had for the club was unbelievable from that time onwards it's just they were some of my fonder memories um, as a youngster then winning the league then a talent uh, obviously Gary Twig 
what a player he was, a man that'll stick in the memory forever. But um, yeah, there's players like the, there's a few players that stick in me, stick in my head. Obviously, Jano's one, Terry Everston, big big fan of him. Desi Baker, Gary Twig. I'll be a bit of an unsung hit. Well, not really, but Royster was a big fan of Royster too. Like Stephen Royce types, a great player too. But uh, be honest with you, had so many memories of of good times with Rovers, but probably '94 was probably the the biggest one for me. Definitely. And Gary, would you have a standout uh, moment, games, or players for in the hoops? Yeah, I started uh, my first Rovers game was uh, Shells in the League Cup game in 1976. So there was only a couple of hundred at the game and all that at Milltown. But that was my first visit to Milltown. There was a bloke in school with me, my friend in school, Peter Ford. He used to, he'd got down to start work for all his rail. He'd go down to Cork and all. He's about 13, 14. He'd be going down to Cork and all in the zone sometimes. Or a couple of his mates, and he was telling me all about Rovers. So that was the first game there, the Shells game. And then Giles came back, and Johnny Giles came back, and I started going then, like all the time. When I found out it was a Rovers fan, was when he was playing Finn Harps in the, was it the quarter final, and went to where they played at Milltown. It was about 8,000 at the match. They won 3 2. And when they got a, a Stevie Linex, I think, at the, the winner. And I was behind the goal in the Milltown Road and I was just bouncing around. Couldn't, people were carrying me up in the air like somebody broke an umbrella and all, tried to celebrate. And he said, I'm a, I think I'm Rovers now. <laughs> so I saying, uh, waited a few years and then the father in a row arrived, Jim McLaughlin, Liam Buckley and Alan Campbell. You couldn't, the two of them out of this world. Uh, the day they won the league against Shells, they won three, John Cody, JC scored the tour goal. And the whole thing just in the shed just collapsing towards the defence. And he said, that's the league one now. And then it went on. Like, it was just going on. But they never done well in Europe, the four in a row. And just winning. The, they would have won four, four doubles now, only beating it by UCD. Everyone forgets that. The four in a row, four legs in a row, but they won like three doubles. They would have won four doubles. It would have been probably never beaten. Uh, as it went on then to going nomadic years, going around here, there, and everywhere going out to Santry. We used to run a bus from the jobs down there out to Santry. I opened the gas from the bus out from there. And it was getting back then, getting the bus back or getting back into town and all. When we were in the Harshaw house, Sabrina Sheridan's brother, see, we used to all pile into the van after the match in the Harshaw house. Like, the other guys would be at half two. But it was going to, uh, even at Daily Mount, when they were playing at Daily Mount, we got our old friend Stephen Yeast that played a, couple, a season and a half or hours. He used to, had me going out to Daily Mount. I didn't want to go to Daily Mount because it was about playing there, but he'd, he'd, he was playing. He had me going out there. And then it was even playing a home match in Cork, going down to there, like, was on the road. Even at one match, they were playing a talk on a Monday, and he said, the next home match is in Richmond Park. Like, they were switching from Richmond Park to Talca. But I was going all the time. I loved going and never stopped. And then we got to Talca. It was only... 20 minutes walk down the road. It was, I walked down there, I was on a, basically a CE scheme down there from 2009 to 2012. So I met a, a lot of the players in 2009. I, I met them all nearly. And Michael O'Neill, Michael used to have a cup of tables. We had a, a canteen underneath the, the West End, right down where the corner flag was. And the breeze would be blown in like a wind tunnel. But Michael was a sound bloke and he'd be telling you all the all his old stories from his playing days. And I met Ray Houghton. Ray Houghton was coming in looking, where's Mickey? He was saying, I said, Mickey, Michael, 
he was in there. So I met a lot of people in the, in the stadium. Uh, and a few inside stories you, you, you wouldn't believe, but uh, I can't tell you them now. <laughs> I got people in the trouble. Um, and on to Tala, that day, the day he scored, it was only the one stand out when he, Gary Twig scored them two goals against Bowles late in the game. Oh, jeez. That was just unreal. And then, seeing that, we've, as Martin will tell you there, we've a couple of Bowles fans in our West Ham supporters club and the banter we have. <laughs> uh, even at, when we were playing it up the park, they'd be saying, stand up if you hate Millwall. And I'd be saying, sit down if you hate Bowles. And they'd be out. It was Bowles. Like, you know, but a lot of them have heard of Shamrock Rovers and they said, when we went over there, when we played uh, sports, we me and another lad over Dublin Hammers, we went over on the Chelsea because West Ham were playing on the Chelsea. So we stayed Chelsea Wednesday and then the Thursday. But uh but imagine a lot of the pubs I was going out with Europa short and he said I've heard of them that that the first time to qualify for the um Europa League group stages. And we've heard of Rob, like I didn't think anybody would have heard in London of Shamrock Rovers, but they say like the only Irish team around the world the, the people now was Shamrock Rovers worldwide yeah uh, so hopefully uh this team will go on this will go on to win more than the far in a row if we keep if we would have kept if we didn't lose milltown in 1987 that team would have went on to win i don't know how many throw how many legs but a little funny story was when they were uh, there was bows and pots in the final and i, I was putting the bet on in labrooks over in, in springfield in the square or near the square and the fellow behind the counter is a, a pots fan and he was taking me bets off me. And he says, who would you hope? Are you going to the cup final? And he says, no, I wouldn't go. Like, it's balls and pots. I'd end up getting thrown out. And he says, well, who would you? And I says, you know I'm Rovers. And he says, well, who would you want to win? And I says, well, I want the both of to lose. <laughs> but uh, he says, and he says, right, well, I hope you drop your trophy tonight. When we're getting the trophy, the last game against Strada. And I says, they will drop it. They're going to drop it into the Aberley court. And we're going to collect it in eight years' time. We're going to win 10 in a row this time. <laughs> so we've gone, there's two, that's far, hopefully far this year, and so on. And he, he grabbed the dockets and he threw them to the guy. He said, You serve him, I'm not serving him. So that's the, that's, that was the Pats man. <laughs> no, I hope uh, that keeps going, you know. That's, that's ambitious, keep... ambitious 10 in a row. But, uh, ah, yeah, it, it was just off my head. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll give you the last word, Martin. Um, Gary's talking about the first game in Tata there when there was only one stand. So soon enough, we're going to have four stands. We're going to, we're gone for four in a row, which you, I don't think you've seen before. So it's a good time to be a hoop and a hammer. It is. It really is. As I said earlier on, I said, you know, grow, growing up, there was times when I was going, Jesus Christ, what am I doing here? <laughs> two, two of my clubs are struggling big time, but what a time to be alive now. As I say, West Ham on the up, and more importantly, the hoops are on the up. Four in a row, I think. I think we're going to do four in a row. I'm going to be honest with you, as ambitious as it sounds, I, I truly believe that we could come on to something special. Close to 10, I think we could. I, I absolutely think we club. We're the best run club in the country. And uh, as I remind all of our, uh, our bowls, uh, I wouldn't say friends, but acquaintances in the Dublin Hammers. We remind them every now and again uh, who the most successful club in Ireland is and will continue to be. Um, but yeah, look, the new stand coming in as well. I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's amazing. Everything in Tala is amazing. I mean, it's not going to be touched by any other club in the league. The only hope is that, please God, 
couple of clubs get other clubs getting investments, likes of shells and that I seen with this new um the whole city owner. Hopefully they can bring their grounds up up and continue to boost the league because the I mean the standard is fantastic. The crowds are fantastic. It's all there. It's just up to the other clubs now to catch up with us. And um hopefully not on the football side of it, but in the infrastructure side of it they can catch up with us, but hopefully not on the football side of it. That's 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 where we'd like it to be anyway. Well, you said you work with Jason Maloney. He's going to call the both these jinxes for talking about 10 in a row. So you can expect a text from him, right? But we'll leave it there, lads. Uh, pleasure talking to you. Congrats on, on all the success. Okay. Cheers, Carl. Thanks very much, Carl. Thanks, Carl. See you then. So that was Gary and uh, Bad News Brennan, Prof. Brilliant stuff there. A lot of organising going on now. I, can, I feel his pain. I feel his pain with that. Yeah. <laughs> I know how that is. <laughs> We're getting people in the bus. Uh, they, they weren't running a bus to Valley Bovee. No, 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 certainly not. No, nice club on wheels. <laughs> yeah. Gina Brazil's nephew. That was a nice link. Yeah, very from cool. From Martin. Um, the big Ghent along the way, of course. That was our little Rawers link. Uh, I like some of the social media stuff. You see that when it went into our chat? The Dotty Birds. People the Dotty Birds can get a ticket and no one else yeah, can. People are questioning, how are these Dotty Birds getting tickets? And then they actually made a flag saying Dotty Birds. These Dotty Birds go more games than you, pal. Big fan of Gary Purdy saying Lad Brooks. Lad Brooks, yeah. He actually said it like Lad Brooks. Gary Purdy, uh, he would have been father of the, the Purdy's from, I think, I think it was Tallet. But they were all, on, a couple of them played with Glen Malore as well. So good, good Rowers fans, good stock. Can you sort of uh, appreciate this con supporting two clubs? I'm a bit like... Gary, I, I find it a bit strange. Like I, I know, for example, Paul Clayton has been an Everton fan for all his life and he still goes over to the matches in Goodison and yet he's a huge Rover. And even listening to the two lads, you can tell how into Rovers they are and how you know they go to all the games and everything like that. So you can't really criticise them, I suppose, but it's just something that, like as a very young kid, I kind of like Spurs because... Um, Ozzy Ardiles and Vida started playing for them after the World Cup and, you know... I. Was spent a couple of years sort of following them, but I never went to a match or, you know, I had no connection really with them at all. And and yeah. so like maybe you know sometimes you get people like I don't know Joe Barnes' story for example, but he might have lived in Birmingham, you know, in his twenties or something, and he was going exactly. to West Brom matches all his life when he was over there, and and it's kind of in his. So people have backstories and different stories, but the fellas who follow a team over there and don't go to the matches and still buy the jerseys and stuff I, I don't get that don't it's get totally it. lost on me yeah. we could delve into that and it would take us another 20 minutes and we could chat away but oh, I, I name dropped Des Cattle there because he of course managed to get a ticket to Prague any interactions with Mr Cattle Con any water cooler conversations in Donnybrook no no although I mean he has in fairness to him he's been a West Ham water fan again <laughs> <laughs> like I remember talking to him about West Ham like 25 years ago and he was but he wouldn't be again like he's not a hardcore hammer or he wouldn't be going over to matches regularly but it, it, I think that goes back to his childhood and Bobby Moore and you know that team of Billy yeah. Bonds and he's of that uh, age the yeah. original Frank Lampard and they were a you know an exciting team at that time Trevor Brooken came along then and stuff so he's of that generation and there's a whole generation of uh, Leeds United fans in Ireland as well going back yeah. to the Johnny Giles days and stuff so you know that there are those people are out there and and you know, I wouldn't be grudging. I flirted with David O'Leary's Leeds for a while, do you remember? Yeah, you like Millsborough and then you like Leeds. And Newcastle, Pastino, Spree. <laughs> Rovers came along right at the very time, didn't they? You're showing your age now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, Champions League draw, lads. Who do we want? 
I went into the rabbit hole today, as I do. Um, I actually had a vivid dream that we got Malta, but they're not actually in the pot. So it's not possible. <laughs> yeah. So I went into it. Sweden, this hacking team, six and a half thousand in their stadium. Um, the Polish team, not much mm. more, the capacity-wise. We're actually the biggest stadium a lot of... If, if that matters at all it doesn't really but just out of, out of interest um, KI Klasvik another one I think they have 2,000 in their stadium so just the general infrastructure mm. the way the teams are run I always look into that and the history the history mm. we've got first time champs well I think Hacken are the first ever team to enter into the Swedish league and they were formed by 14 and 15 year olds right there you go, street team. Siren emojis. Yes, sorry yeah. so they were a street so team. Got... Prof, you've been outstatted here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've got Fairwild in Sweden, Poland, Latvia and Larn up north. If that's correct, there could there could be a curveball thrown the day before by UEFA, yeah. as often happens. What's that old song, three out of five ain't bad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We want to avoid um, Latvia because the pubs close at ten, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so we're told. Yeah. Two out of five ain't bad. Yeah. 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 Here's a weird one, right? I know that's that's our projected pop but there is a chance that we could play you know that preliminary round there's four teams there's yeah. a semi-final and a final there actually is a chance that we could play the winner of that preliminary round if that happens that's, so that's someone who's still not yeah. in the actual pots now so if that happens that final is on June 30th and our first game will be on July 11th so that means we've had, we've had 10 days notice 10, 10 less days notice Ten less days, yeah. To make our plans. It usually is a little bit standard. Ten days nightmare. is not about right, no. Who who's that likely to be? Do you know the teams that are in the? Are we talking San Marino and yeah, stuff like that? the, the likes of San Marino? You I can't take remember you take other. that with ten Absolutely. days of time. Now again, that's not what we're seeing online. That's not going to happen, but it will be a disaster, I think. Uh, yeah. Another um, ten days waiting to find out where you're going. Baptism of fire for the new incoming CEO. Who <laughs> <laughs> will be under his? Ta- it'll be he'll be tasked to. Organise that, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, so Prof, we have Manchester United with a friendly against Atletico Bilbao. Lansdale Road in August. This has irked some of the LOI family. Sold you out could already, say. Um, pre-booking sold out, goes on sale tomorrow. And um, might clash with a league game for the League of Ireland. So it shows you the, how, how little they care about. But this really gets my go. I don't care for friendlies. I don't care for Rovers friendlies. We don't go pre-season. What do we used to say? We don't like to watch our dinner being cooked. Through the oven, through the window in the oven. So I don't want to go to pre-season, don't want to go to friendlies. I get the kids might want to see their favourite players, but I'm not interested in this. No. It drives me mad. It's This one isn't angering me as much as maybe the Liverpool Celtic did at the time. Uh, the famous photo of your man with the Liverpool cap and the Celtic jersey. Yeah, that, that happened time. to know. <laughs> yeah. We grew up uh, with him. It is a strange yeah. one, though, because the, like the FAI... Have, ha- promoted the press conference to promote the FAI are obviously on a, a slice of the action from this game absolutely yeah. and it just it goes counter to everything that they're doing at the moment in terms of pushing the domestic well we know game. we know yeah. we all know how how much peril they're in financially so I'm guessing this is just one way of chipping away yeah at the debt, absolutely isn't it absolutely yeah. that's what I imagine yeah. it is yeah it's it's really sad really when you think about it the whole sports directing as well was absolutely embarrassing that we, was we touched on that the fact that they forgot that they had uh, they forgot. <laughs> they forgot that the loan could be called in or the the payment could be called back in. Uh, so on to the football matters, Rovers on the pitch, Prof. Tonkin incoming. UCD 4-0. Mm-hmm. Tala last Friday. So the team had Richie serving the last of his three 
match suspension. Unjust as well. Johnny Kenny was injured and had to withdraw from the Euro 21 squad. So Watts back on the bench after a lengthy period. This is probably the longest Watts has ever been out. Well, he did say that he probably wouldn't actually feature until after the break. And so proved he stayed an unused. Well, once again, it shows you that the squad depth that does exist within this, within Shamrock Rovers is that we can afford to have Watts sitting out. Most of the clubs will probably really struggle with having that type of that mm. type of player now on the bench and not playing at all. So I'm guessing he'd be ready for Europe alongside the likes of Bort. But Kavanaugh, Hor, Green, and Bork came into the eleven, and once again, Prof, it shows you the strength and depth that we actually have to bring these players in against UCD and be able to, to see how a 4-0 win. McCon, you and John Cody on the co-coms filling in for Gertz. Um, how are you getting on with John? Good, very good. Yeah, I mean, I've loved John since he was playing for Rovers, and it's great to be um, working with him when Gertz isn't around. Um, and UCD games are always a bit tricky because the atmosphere is always a bit flatter than yeah, normal, but actually this one wasn't quite so bad because that idea of bringing in the kids mm-hmm. from the junior teams, they all... Um, and they're under your gantry, came into aren't the they? Stand, so they were all yeah. making lots of noise. It was like a women's international or something. Um, yeah, so that's a good, uh, that's a good you know, vibe. There's yeah. that high pitched uh, cheering going on, but actually, it created an atmosphere that wouldn't have been there otherwise. I mean, the yeah. the, the south stand was quite. It was kind of not half empty, but it was a bit empty. You know, people are kind of chatting. I know it's kind of concert yeah. time Happens of the year. People are away, gigs yeah. and whatever. Um, but and the fact that it was UCD just meant even the goals. There were kind of the cameras would cut to the crowd after the goals expecting you know crowd shots of people and there's like polite applause you yeah. know? so that's yeah. what happens against UCD in this but uh, look the job was done that was the main thing they were kind of ugly goals as well weren't they kind of all four of them horrendous the, stuff the build up to the second was actually great play but just the way all four of them went in were so sloppy yeah. and messy yeah. do you think Berkey's going to get that third goal I pushed it back a few times I can't even see Berkey's leg touching that ball I don't can you so. but don't do we even have a dubious goals panel like I, I mean look so. at if Greener got last week's goal then he's going to yeah, get this that was one. going wide you know what um, I mean and Con, you appear to have been employed by Jaffa Cakes on Friday gone by your Twitter feed. Yeah, um, we you've got Ocean Electrical. I've got Jaffa Cakes on a Friday. <laughs> Can we <now>. swap? Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm on a diet, so I only had one. Uh, John <laughs> Cody ate most of them. <laughs> he would appreciate that now. Uh, one of our overseas listeners watching SRFC TV asked if someone would release helium into the stands, but no, it was the sound of 1,300 enthusiastic school boys, school girls, an invite to the East End, and a great initiative and fair play to everybody in the ticket office and everybody involved. Um, who pretty much put this initiative into into play, and it's something that we need to continue on doing because we have an art stand to fill, Prof. And mm-hmm. um, great news as well on the new bus route because we have a bus route going. It's called the W Four, and it's going to service Lucan, Minute, Blanche, and it's going to go straight avoid town and go straight all the way to Tallaght. So that's it's a new route for new fans. All those new developments. Going to work on something there, Prof. Me and Prof are going to have the match somewhere. Me and Prof, here it is now. Me and Prof are going to fill the north stand. Is that right, Prof? You're going to fill it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to keep doing this podcast. Uh, yeah, so great initiative, and um, I think it was a brilliant idea. Like there was, I don't know, over a thousand young kids there, and a lot of them would never have been in a Rovers match before, and they were like, we were seeing their enthusiasm for when Hooperman came over they were all over him they were cheering for Rovers they were cheering for yeah. the goals I heard they absolutely mobbed them they mobbed like Hooperman assaulted fact, them I said during the commentary <laughs> at one point that Hooperman should have waited till half time because they, they kind of lost their focus on the match for a while <laughs> Hooperman was the hero but uh, like even if 
ten percent of those kids come back with their parents. Exactly. You know, that's, that's another few hundred exactly people at every game. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, once they catch the bug, and I think maybe the other night they might have, even though it was only UCD. You know, it was really good idea. That's ultimately how you do it, though, isn't it? You just keep right. trying and keep trying and keep yeah. trying. Let's say you give out 500 free tickets if 50 come mm. back regularly it's a win. Yeah. Granted they weren't seeing a derby with flares and yeah. a close game or a tie decider but I think I don't like exactly. Yeah, well exactly. those kids like some of them were 7, 8, 9 years of age. So even just coming to a stadium like Tala and seeing, you know, the floodlights and the players were brilliant like after the game they all came over to the kids and were signing autographs, taking selfies. We you were saw that. How, how long did the they spend after was, that game? Oh, Ages. Half an hour, 20 minutes. I think that's something that yeah. possibly we've been lacking for for a while. I think the players never really did that. Our players, the, the women do it all the time. The women stay back mm. for half an hour all the time, but I think that's something else that we can kind of add to the to the atmosphere as well, is that they stay back a little bit longer as well. Yeah, yeah. We talked about football prof on goal, 15 minutes. So this scrappy, was a scrappy affair. Great run by Fruja down the right. Uh, put the ball in for Greener but it's uh, it's an own goal ultimately so we're on our way yep we're on our way and I think we'll just pretty much analyse the goals on this one Prof Jack on 26 as well and another scrappy affair good build up play as I said a minute ago good build up play Cabo and Burke combined down the left and uh, I think this would have been an own goal the ball was kind of back spinning in anyway and then Jack just poked it in um, I think it was after this point, was it? The it, was, oh, it was definitely on its way in. It was, it was yeah. dribbling over the line, yeah. Well, there, Greener was carried off, unfortunately, with an injury. And we heard he was sent off to an X-ray. I've not heard any updates. No, uh, have no, you? Actually, no, definitely no. not, actually. Jesus, when you said there, we heard he was sent off. I, I thought, Jesus, not another red. <laughs> <laughs> sent off to the hospital, that's okay. Uh, Trina and Bork prof as well. Um, we don't know if Bork's going to get this one. Like I said, we don't have a dubious goals panel. So I don't think they're going to investigate yeah. it too much. I think he'll get it. If Greener got his last week. Yeah. Again, the build-up was nice. Gaffney chipped it over for, for, for uh, Frugia. And Frugia was kind of involved in a lot of good stuff we did. I know Cody gave him man the match, didn't he, Con? Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of ugly goals. Certainly not goal. The month contenders here. And uh, yeah, Gary, then we, then we had Andy Lyons. Andy Lyons back. And after a brilliant season, unfortunately, they were relegated. But personally, he... He was um he was excellent for Blackpool and I can't imagine him playing League One football. So he got his young player of the year award mm. trophy. Uh I don't think you'd see that at Tifty's player of the year awards now. Con, <laughs> we give our trophies out on time, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, no six, Too rapturous applause. <laughs> no six seven. Not the best delays. sound system, but we got it. <laughs> yeah, I interviewed him at halftime for uh SRFC TV and cheers to Blackpool for the old retweet because I think ours had 26,000 views and then Blackpool's retweet has 20,000 views. So, Gary, my dose of tones making it all the way to the English seaside. You'll be a, a, you'll be a celebrity when you get on the donkey out in Blackpool. <laughs> so, triple change at halftime, Prof. We are not uh, too... We're, we're fond of this. Fond of an old triple change at times and that's what I like about Bradzer as well. In big games, he has done this. In games that we're struggling in, he has done this. He has hauled players off. We were 2 0 down to Sligo at half time. Exactly. Made, made four yeah. changes. Exactly. So, um, Nugent, Noonan, and Cruz came on. So, Cruz, supposedly a uh, very, very good player, and a lovely goal from him on 56 minutes. So, um, took a little bit of a flick on the way in, but lovely celebration as well. Looks like he really, really enjoyed that one. I love that. Yeah, he was buzzing for his first senior goal. Just the joy of it. And uh, yeah, four 0 Garrett, and we were cruising. Yeah, it was. Tom you can have City. that for free, you can. Next commentary. <laughs> Used it already. 
Yeah, so Tonkin, and I got this one right, Prof. I, pre- I actually picked it for my prediction I league I was waiting well. for this, waiting for this. I got it right, f- so I got 10 points in the prediction league for that one. I got greedy, I said five. I thought, yeah, yeah, or you got horny, as Giggsy <laughs> said. Interesting choice of word, <laughs> uh, alright. So Ed Saul, Kieran Cruz is a player, and to see Conan Noonan whipping in corners on both feet is impressive. This is a thing, this is his little show-off thing, isn't it? And uh, P.S., I coached them both in the academy, so a little uh, doff of the cap. For Ed to himself there. And uh, Gaffney with an inventive free kick prof. Remember this? No, tell me about this one. I don't remember seeing this one. Uh, I could have been gone I think in. it was Gary O'Neill. Just, you kind of wait until nobody was looking and he was kind of, he had his back to it. So he's been sneaky. Gently rolled it off to Gaff, Gaffney. Gaffney flicked it up with his foot and tried to volley it on the same foot. Was it uh, Ted Lasso-esque? <laughs> it, was, it would have been some goal if it went <laughs> in, but I... I can't don't can't think I've ever seen a goal like that in Tada. So it would have been a first. Yeah, definitely. When you think back to it, we don't actually have any gimmick free kicks, do we? When you when you think about it like that, we never really done anything like that. No, no, nothing really. Daniel Bab, no relation to Phil, Prof. Yeah, I was asked about this in the Pines afterwards. Um, I love how they think that you'd know that. These are the sort of questions the I questions get asked. The questions that they come at you with are brilliant. It's never I like pro- I, I actively promote this, by the way. <laughs> I tell them, Prof, no. Probably like, what? When's that bus coming? That's prof. <laughs> yeah. No, this one I had to Google, and according to Google, there's absolutely no relation. Um, some guys in the press box were saying there was. I don't know what their source is, but um, yeah, apparently no relation to Phil Bad or the International. And no refereeing incidents as well, so relatively um, handy yeah. one. For the Although ref. Mr. Adam Lynch was in fact running the line <laughs> on Friday. Adam Lynch, you sent that Richie Tell. Yeah. Um, uh, we had 84% percent possession at one point just the 84 just 84 I um, forgot to mention Cruz nearly got a second he had a header from a corner but uh, Keane Moore saved it so he kept the score down and mini pitch invasions bro. mini pitch invasions so these kids obviously are new to it and thought lovely we can go on the pitch but it's not the case kids <laughs> won't be the case so, so different to like a Europa League pitch invasion where it's like pure anger this time it's like I think it was Dave this the the steward he's just like get off will you get off yeah yeah, yeah. an annoyance uh, yeah. Phelan I know we'd say it often but to see the players and management on the east stand side immediately after the game to pose for picks and autographs for fucking ages was absolutely outstanding a brilliant initiative to get all those young fans in tonight and then meet them straight after is brilliant thinking and the players and staff were so generous with their time it's made me proud again of the club so more fans and generations made tonight so uh, excellent stuff and 5782 in attendance for a UCD game is superb really I, I feel like I've brought up this a few times in the podcast but I think we got 3000 at home to UCD <coughs> in 2019 remember Conor Curran's first game in Tala yep and at, the, at that time that was like our hardcore there was no chance that we would ever get above 3000 at home to UCD no. so I kind of used that as a gauge a little bit by the the school boys and school girls but I think that's a big sign of where we're going when you get um, 5,000 yeah, but there's a lot of hard work being put in yeah. behind the scenes and if you look at all the new bills that are in and around the stadium and if you look at the actual Whitestown Way that's not really a rover stronghold the one that goes down towards the Shishla Kebab place and the gym and the arena there's no green and white it's not like that I think we should really focus on that as well because when you want when you make that walk down White, Whitestown Way, it's not really 
You wouldn't know it's match day, so that needs to be a Rover stronghold, first of all. I think it's really interesting you should say that, because um, I was thinking there were a few nights, European nights especially, where I was going down Whitestown Way, and I said, there should be green and white flags on every sunny day. Uh, light, uh, you know, should street be, light there? thing. And at the roundabout at the top there, you know, a few big green and white flags just tells everybody in the area, you know, where yeah. you are, what's happening, and it's it looks impressive, and it just sets the scene, you know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It may be some sort of initiative within I don't know one kilometre radius of, of the game of, of the stadium you get a discount to season ticket mm-hmm. you know just to kind of create that stronghold and all the new bills all these houses that are going up along this brand new bus line it's there for the taking it really really is there for the taking so so yeah 5,700 including some English bloke in a dress on his stag and apparently it didn't last long because there was no bar so he's like where's the bar That'll do it. Just noise like, oh, give me a <laughs> Got out of there quick. Um, nothing would be able to possess me to get that drunk that wear a dress. That quick <laughs> no, no, yeah. I'm not taking the piss out of any other Rover fans. <laughs> like I said, I popped into the points after, and it was absolutely brilliant to catch up with Mick McCarthy. First uh, time I've seen top him. Man. First time I've seen him since he'd been through what he's been through. Still and sharp tongue. He's he's hanging in there. Now I was delighted to see him. So I hope you stay on the men there, Mick. Atmosphere prof, we won't even bother, will we? It's uh, like we said, it's like a bag of cats over in the east. <laughs> yeah, we kind of covered it there. Apparently, you said he sold four tickets, uh, seven last time. Are you messing? I don't Where are their parents? <laughs> That's what I want to know. So you don't want to go and watch them. I don't, I don't get it. Um, so Neil voted was we man man the match JC. Did he say what his reason was for that? God. I just think the the threat he offered going forward, like he didn't have to do very much defensively, but every time he got forward, I mean, two of the goals came from his crosses into the area, and he just he gave the the left back uh, Evan Osama a pretty tough night, you know, yeah. and and just he was uh, it was the kind of game that suited Ferrugia, especially in that attacking sense. So I thought it was mm. I would have picked him as well, probably. He hasn't scored since day. Interesting. I think we're good omens for the twenty third lads. Hopefully, um, extended our lead to six points. So. It's it's been a mental season. It's topsy turvy. It's all over the place. Yeah. Even look at the goal difference. Our mental season it really has. But it may already be too late for our title hopes. Yeah. Are we gonna? Are we gonna name it? What, what, did, what was your tweet? <laughs> you gotta read it out. Did you put it in? Read it out. You gotta say. It. So the context oh, oh, is yeah, yeah. Aiden Fitzmaurice four games in, five games in, pretty much wrote us off in a scathing article, saying. We were um, unbalanced and all this. Unbalanced and all this bullshit about yeah. not being able to... A couple, yeah. The season could be over already, so Prof took a little swipe on Twitter. And then Aidan did an article on Neil Farouge about how he's uh, trying to get into the Irish squad. And I said, even if Neil gets his act together, it may already be too late for international hopes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he even reacted. <laughs> no, he I don't think he did even get it. I hope he did. <laughs> no response. So the LOI TV half season pass is available now for 60 euro and the best 60 euro you will ever spend listening to the lovely tones of Con the and Gertz, the dulcet tones. Yeah, so <coughs> any commentator stories for us from this season, Con? Any bloopers or uh, I've, I've had no fuck up so far this season. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no um, it's it's great that JC will come in when, when Gertz isn't available and, and like when RT are doing the live games... Uh, Garth's is kind of in demand a bit now Virgin likewise so um, no there's been no major issues I, I, you did I think near the start of the season Gary you spoke um, 
about the the pass for the yellow eye thing and uh, like it i can tell you right here and right now there's a big issue in that more and more and more people are watching the games on the dodgy box and it's going to kill the service because if people yeah. don't pay this like say the 60 euros for the half season now it's like it's the price of a couple of nights out in the pub right but it could be the difference between loi tv being there in two years time or we go back to the way it was and Absolutely, people will be giving yeah. out and saying ah oh, jesus why aren't they covering every game the reason they're not covering every stream. game is because people are watching illegal streams. Can't and it is going to happen. We know it's going to happen, and the people are going to be giving out. But they, it's just far too easy to sit there and watch it on that. I device. can understand the complaint of the average Joe being priced out of the English Premier League, but sixty euro to watch every single League of Ireland Premier Division, First Division women's, women's match as well. That is a steal. Come on, Nick. and when you actually do, like when you're logged in, it's just. All in front of you, it's brilliant. It's yeah. laid out screens yeah. everywhere. You can, and I, I, I love that. I love watching other teams in the league. Like I watch every single highlights. Yeah. I love being able to predict what's going to happen in the next game with the prediction. League. It keeps you interested. If you like football, that's what that's what you do. So it's it's well worth the sixty quid, and hopefully we'll mm. keep the the service alive. So uh, a bit of a random one, Con. I might actually insert this clip into the show, <laughs> whether you want to talk about it or not. You were parodied on Apri match. I just randomly came across this on YouTube. Really? Calm was parried in Apple Mash in the 2010 did you, did you World Cup. And you, funny enough, you mentioned Aussie Ideas earlier on. Yeah. That was the skit where Khan throws to Aussie. Yeah. And Aussie just speaks incoherent <laughs> Spanish. Uh, and who, played back to Khan. who played Khan? Your man who plays uh, Bill. Richard, isn't? Yeah, yeah. Cooper was me. Yeah. And were you? Did you think he did a good job? He did a very good <laughs> job, actually. He, and funnily enough, he bumped into me in the corridor because they'd be recording in a studio, and we were doing the live program. I was I was doing the highlights for the World Cup that year, and uh, he was kind of a bit embarrassed and kind of you know I hope you I hope you don't mind. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. thrilled to be honest with you. You know, it was it's Prof a, is quite the impressionist. Oh, yeah, that, that's what he'll never tell you. Give us a Gary P. Honestly, he's he's he nailed some of them. Has to be the right person. And it's always the right, he'll do it at the right time. Maybe a couple of drinks on him. He'll get it. He'll get it out. He he, he nails a couple. Have of another Guinness there, bro. <laughs> Good evening. Well, at the end of another very busy World Cup day, I know it's three o'clock in the morning and nobody's watching, but still, I'm delighted to be uh, joined by the great Osvaldo Ardiles. Uh, Good evening, Ozzy. Mm. Ozzy. Um, it must be, uh, like for, for me certainly, it's a, it's a huge thrill to have you uh, in the studio. You're the only World Cup winner that's ever been in the studio. What was it actually like to win the World Cup? I mean, it must have been amazing, was it? It's a long time ago now, but my memories of it are very strong and um, I'm very uh, delighted to recall it when asked to recall it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, going back to those days, 1978, it's obviously some difficulties, I suppose, between the country that you ended up playing in, uh, England. Can you tell us a bit about that and how what it was like going to Spurs? Because I mean, it must have been a bit tricky, was it? Well, no, it was probably because they were coming to the ham, it was in so I was playing work out. It was many times, so I had to worry about it in Tottenham. Right, so unfortunately, we have delays with the North Stand seats but we're hoping to have it opened in September so um, we could catch some late Europa, Europa games hopefully I feel like it's been pushed back a month every month yeah this, listen and that's something that's probably totally out of our hands I'd imagine because the council it's not to do with mm. us with construction so um, they're doing their best from what we hear it's um, like 
It's getting shades of uh, 2002, 2003. Oh, the the roof will be here in three weeks. It's being yeah, being yeah. shipped from Scandinavia. Yeah, yeah, it's on a boat right now. Yeah. 1899 yeah. Barprof, it has got snugs. They've so when you look in from the old Glemelor suite, right? So you rip out the partition that was there because there was one door and then there was another door out into the pitch. The initial partition is gone, so it's wide open. But then when you walk towards the eight the 1899 suite it looks like there's walls or offices but they've built snugs we are gonna i'm guessing they're gonna have comfy seats in so it's gonna be a little bit more intimate which i'm a big fan of yeah slightly hipster (laughs) you could say big fan of 19 so the bar will obviously be delayed be delayed but we we're hoping to get green ribbon in prof or white horse as it's known (laughs) but we're gonna get a couple of bottles in and hopefully get the name and rights in we should never let merrill forget that never he could not remember the name of the Shamrock Growers beer. Thought we were pod buddies. The White Horse. Yeah, he's dead to us. I'd ban him yeah. from Tallaght. <laughs> yeah. This was interesting, well, just on stadiums. Sean O'Connor, journalist, he put up a big uh, graphic showing the capacity of every, basically every sporting venue in Ireland. And oh, yeah, he yeah. said this was quite a stark statistic from that morning's FAI facilities investment document. So out of the top 40 largest stadia in Ireland, only three can host football matches. So obviously Lansdowne Road was up uh, second behind Crow Park. And down at 38 is Talla. And 39, Turner's Cross. So when we do go to the fourth stand, Talla will move up to 29th, 29th largest stadium in Ireland. And we also have more than 8,800 and RDS, just former venues. There's there. a couple of stadiums RDS, there. 18,500. I didn't know Martin held that much, actually. No, I didn't think so. It's, I mean, the stand is relatively small. I suppose mm. it's quite a big... The terrace is yeah, a like big, wide open area. Yeah. It's like huge. safe standing type thing. Yeah. Yeah. But even that, the, I was looking at the second and third ones. That I think one of them was in Tipperary, possibly in the around there. I'm guessing it's Horl and Central, mm. isn't it? One of them is like 40,000. Yeah. Like, that's... It just shows, it goes back to the old argument that we talked about with the GAA having their house in order and ultimately being an amateur game as well so they don't have to pay players but, well, that depends on how you really believe on that <laughs> but um, they have in, invested in infrastructure. Like, even there, a member, a member of staff today, we were talking, telling me he plays GAA and I didn't even hear I never even heard of the name of the team. I think it's St. Martins or St. Me- Me- somewhere out in Eden, Eden, Eden Derry or something like that and um, they have a full-on bar Full on clubhouse, tiny, tiny guy club, but that keeps them afloat. Yeah. You name any place that you can kind of go and have a point in the round. They actually ranked the points in an article recently, didn't they? We were second bottom we above UCD, bottom, was it? Rightly so, as well, because yeah. it's not great. So that's something that. First. Like, it would be great if we did have a bar seven days a week, but listen, that's that's a conversation for another day. It certainly is, but we're talking about other results, Prof. Cork finally lost after a good streak. 2-1 Dundalk um, this uh, was a lively game anyway I mean, we had Shells won Sligo won with Conor Cairns recently signing a new multi-year deal with Shells possibly ruling them out of his number one jersey after Alan Manis, <laughs> which we did anticipate but he has some highlight reel I was watching a couple of his saves some of them are ridiculous he had a Banks-esque save at the old end in Talca Park where John Connolly used to have his van selling the merch unbelievable like he really commands his area well, but I think that deal could possibly be dead in the water. And Drogheda, more 
refereeing madness prof did you see this one the late winner the late winner okay so there's a tussle in the middle of the park leading towards the centre of the park the draw that Marky pulls down the, the Pats defender it looked like I didn't think it was a foul but the ref went to blow but the draw the player made the movement so he went to blow but the draw the player made the got the advantage so he went on it was a brilliant goal and went on to score the winner so there was mayhem over that <laughs> I still don't think it was a foul, but once again, referees are in the spotlight. Well, they're really in the spotlight, the Brandywell, which we'll <laughs> talk about in a second. I, I love people who get man-of-the-match performances that don't think they deserve it. Brian Maher didn't save, didn't make one save. Somebody put up the graphic and it said, Bowes, shots on target zero. And no then saves. we heard Brian Maher man the match. And it was like, you know that meme of the woman, all the formulas? It was like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. that's what it was like with me. Like, but when he was getting it, he was just standing there and he was like, get me out of here. I didn't touch the ball with my hands. Con, like, Con, if you're sitting beside John Cody or Greg Garland and they give a goalkeeper a man the match, the nod, you're like, what, you what is your response for no saves? I say nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's on them. <laughs> so, he gave her distribution. That Was that his criteria? But yeah, it tells you how shite that match was. Fuck me. When, yeah. when that was the... But let's also give a big shout out to Bowes who have also started a new basketball team. Um, <laughs> the, the Bohemian... What's the name of that? Go Globetrotters. Yeah. Bohemian Globetrotters. Did you see that? And then oh their COO said it wasn't a penalty. I think he's gone insane. He came out on Twitter and said, no, it's not a penalty. Bowes fans thought Brazzer was insane for saying that that wasn't the penalty against us and Tala. And then we have Lambo doing the same. I was but just waiting for him to put the ball through his legs, lay it up. <laughs> Michael Jordan to come in and slam dunk. The fact that he handled it twice, it's unbelievable. Like how? It was so what poor. I, what I'm interested in actually is the assistant referees. Because so like, the linesman sees Richie Towles one through... A lot of bodies in the box. The linesman feels, I'm going to get involved in here. I'm seeing this. The ref hasn't. Whereas this one, a player handles the ball twice. So does that mean that both the ref and the linesman don't see that? I always look at things that are that, that shouldn't happen. Like, the ball shouldn't stop slightly in midair because it's something has hit the ball. I don't think they think like that. His legs and his arms They don't take physics into account. Physics doesn't matter anymore in football for refereeing but we spoke about Conor Cairns getting a new contract and it's got all of that Turkish money coming in from Hull City and um, big takeover Mm. a lot of money going in Prof. This was on the cards for a while I don't think it was initially the Hull City owners who were interested in taking over but ultimately it's happened and um, a lot of a lot of money going in. This this mm-hmm. could could spell trouble. Could be interesting. Just on Conor Gerns, <clears throat> shout out to all the podcasts at the start of the season. I'm talking RT Soccer. I'm talking NY Central. They all had the same narrative, and that is the Galway Shelburne swap of Brendan Clark and yeah. Conor Gerns. They all said that Galway have got the better deal here, and you're all me, Con Conan Byrne. He was analysing shells at the start of the season and he says, my only concern, the weakest area, could be the goalkeeping position. <laughs> I remember listening at the time and thinking, yous have got this so wrong. Gobbling up those words, <laughs> Colin. I'm going rem- to remember this. Yeah. 
Prof took that one away. I get him to write it out a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> must not disc Connor Kearns anymore. <laughs> but like, look at their ages. Like Brendan Clark is going to turn thirty-eight in a couple of months, I think. Connor Kearns is the future of the League of Ireland. Probably. Yeah, yeah. How can you think that that's a a worse swap? Big shout out to Brendan Clark, who also got a awful Man of the Match award for losing the game. Wasn't it Limerick, maybe or? Oh yeah, yeah. Didn't he get the man the match is Brendan Clark, yeah. So in the first division, Ronan Coughlin is banging them in. Twenty five goals already. He scores them in spatters. Like he scores four in one game, three in one game, two in another game. He scored. It's a ridiculous amount of goals he scored because he never really lit the league up. I I wasn't really mad about him. Do you remember we had him on trial with Joel Coustrant and we signed Joel instead? Remember both him on yeah, the yeah yeah. I remember that being a talking point that we. We didn't sign the correct player out of the two. Yeah. Um. I was looking at the record. I believe the record is Danny Furlong for Wexford. He scored thirty goals in one first division season. Yeah, geez, yeah he had. A, in he was two thousand fifteen. Yeah. I think Andy Moyer got twenty nine. If you include two playoff goals, uh, I think McHugh for Finn Harps. Goals, wouldn't I think he got twenty seven hat trick in the playoff. So he's on course to break that record anyway. Um, Prof, I've been delving into the other. The underbelly of other podcasts. So I've been listening to the car podcast. It's actually I like it. I think it's a really good production. Um obviously despite your feud on Twitter. Yeah, we had a little Twitter feud about them not really caring about their club and letting it die a couple of times <laughs> and the the zombie club and I think um I was I was purposely trying to, you know, reel them in. Reeled him in, and I think he came. He went. I, I said something, but he came out with a really long-winded thing, and I wanted him to do that. <laughs> so then I said, "Just relax, lads. You're easily wound up." <laughs> so we were talking about the 2010 winding up at a club under the with their fans, and I just said, "Oh, you jumped in. You jumped in." Well, you have something um, from TT here, one of our friends of the show. I do because you've been building this up this podcast for a couple of weeks. I just it's yeah, they're good. funny. They they go to the games. Uh, they're a bit of a laugh. It's easy. It's easy. No, I don't doubt you, but it's funny. You know, you know, you know, Tommy Tommy the way he. Can I'm not sure how long they're going now. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's sure relatively either. new. You know the they way? weren't, and by the way, they are not accredited journalists like ourselves. <gasps> they couldn't actually get the FAI accreditation. So I remember I throw that in there. I don't know if it was them or a previous incarnation of the Cork podcast, but I remember them complaining before that they couldn't get into their own program. That's 100% them, yeah. yeah. And then they couldn't get the accreditation. So was... And Robert Goggin is like, well, he, he actually wants Tales from Nissan to be the title in the programme. So it's two different approaches from the programme editors. But you know what Tommy's like? Yes. Tommy can cut you down with Easy. one scathing comment. I'm guessing, all it takes. I'm guessing he's coming for me. That is all it takes with Tommy. And he goes, do you know how many hosts there are on that podcast? He goes, there's four of them. And they're reviewing two games from the bank holiday weekend. And he goes, Prof, guess how many games there are between them? Oh, between all okay. four of them. I like these stats. Prof has And I was like, podcast I don't know, couple, two, three. He was like, one. Out of the four hosts, one of them got to a game. Funnily enough, one of them on the most recent one said that he just didn't go because he got pissed in the back garden. That's what Toby was saying, yeah. That's what he said. And I was <laughs> just thinking, okay. Who's going to talk about the game here? And then they said they brought 40 to, to draw it. I was like, oh, right. I'm, they're going down the estimation now. Um, Justin Ferrazoi could be joining Blackburn, according to the Lancashire 
Telegraph. So young Justin. Um, when we speak about this, it's not that much of a loss because he hasn't featured in the first team. He could be an excellent player. He's he was brilliant. He got man the match in the Europa League, wasn't it? At home, he's like he's like he's in that. Uh Sinclair Armstrong sort of limbo where Very you, you know so, yeah. he's going to England he may or may not feature for the first team and you just kind of wait it out and then he moves yeah I think so and he hasn't really made a massive massive impact but we know he has ability so we wish him all the best in whatever happens for young young Justin um, his little brother's playing as well in the academy he's supposed to be excellent Richard but Prof uh, Richie Ricardo Whatever else you want to call Pico Lopez, he came off the bench. 57 minute in Cape Verde, scoreless draw with Morocco in a friendly. And they had players such as Hakim Ziyech. They had Atraf Hakimi. These are these are like players who are unbelievable on the world stage. So, um, this is, so, like I keep saying it to Pico, I said you have to record this and do travel logs and voice mm. notes and document it because this is the you did a great diary for the independent dreams are made of for the AFCON you probably read that con did you I did yeah it's it very, was very good. good like he's, yeah. he was marking I think he came on and he marked like a Chelsea winger who's unbelievable who stood out mm. for Ajax in the Champions League and they nearly got yeah. to the final like Defo has a book in him doesn't he absolutely yeah, yeah. I th- personally I think there's a next level from I think there's possibly an executive role there maybe executive producer for Tifties he could tell us what to do bro <laughs> Uh, so it was an AFCON um, qualifier so he's Burkino Faso in Sunday crucial coming up here prof and they have a new goal scorer as well they have Duck Lopez from possibly I think it's Aberdeen but in the Scottish, the Scottish League So his name is Duck his name is D-U-K Duck Lopez I think it is so okay. um, that's another player that they can probably propel them into the is Bebe not there? <laughs> he's somewhere man, around no? there yeah he's somewhere around there the Irish 21 game was cancelled because Gabon just didn't turn up it's an odd one isn't it do you remember when I think it was the Senegalese lads or some some African nation turned up and then just didn't go home? They stayed in Iceland or Finland. Uh, yeah, Finland. And they claimed the asylum. They did, and they just, yeah. A couple of them are professional. They ended this, up just staying there. Just doesn't ring a bell now. Yeah. yeah. No, we actually played. Someone played against Rovers. Yeah. There's, there's a story there in the Europa League. You're someone, dead right. Someone played against us. So, Prof, the women, talk to us. This was a bit of a feisty affair from what we're hearing. Yeah, yeah. Con- this is the real derby, apparently. Con, you were here for this one as well. You were sitting in front of me. Yeah. Uh, one nil defeat to P Mount. Um, funny if at half time, I was think I was getting vibes of Robbers one nil defeat at home to Dundalk in the summer of twenty nineteen. The Sean Gannon winner, the where t- we were the all t- over them. Game. They all over them, all over them, and then they hit us with a counter goal. And that's actually the way it panned out because they scored with eight minutes to go. Uh, which felt like a bit of a sucker punch because the the girls were putting on a bit of pressure at that point. Although second half, I I probably I thought the, we probably played better in the first half than the second. It's just that Jamie's chance, the Gildead's chance that was in the second half. And I actually want to ask you, Con, who had the worst miss on that Saturday? Was it Jamie Thompson or was it Lukaku? <laughs> Lukaku. <laughs> and actually that ball came at Jamie at a million miles an hour and if, if she was a bit taller it would have been a simple but she had to kind yeah. of stretch a bit she did she in fairness yeah. I think we, were, we were talking about the Lukaku miss in our WhatsApp group and we were saying that has there been a worse miss taking everything into consideration now poor fella keeps <laughs> keeps doing it he, was, he did it in the World Cup I think as well or the Euros whatever it was 
But has there been a worse miss in any sort of important game of football that you can remember at that stage of the game, at that that level of the game? I I can't think of a worse miss. You could be Taking right. Taking everything into consideration. With so much at stake. So yeah. much at stake. Yeah. When Martinez yeah. was saying that that was the best save when the World Cup final. Yeah. Mm. I genuinely, I, I can't... I can't think of a, a worse one. Like we've all seen open goal misses now, but they tend to be in just random league games and stuff, don't they? But um, just had a crowd of one thousand four hundred and sixty-four. Beating records again, prof. Similar in that we had uh, twenty-five teams uh, brought to the game: uh, schoolboys, school girls. Uh, so that uh, bulked up the attendance, so we took the record back off bows. <laughs> yes, bouncing back and forth. So we it? have that again. Yeah, we had Stephanie Zamra back in the bench. Good to see her back. So good to see her back. Yeah, um, her birthday this week actually. So yeah, actually, yeah, you know, that on the Twitter accounts as well. Uh, Con first thing he said, Miguel, he was devastated that the Killer and Samba band had pulled out. He felt that we had oversold this game too. We had apologies coming our way as well from who who did book them, but I blame the teachers. The teachers are off, obviously for the summer, and the teachers refused to chaperone them. On the Saturday. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's, that's what it pity, is. Because so it would have been great. I'm blaming Aussie Nate. Mm. Can Aussie, you organise it for later on? I think season? so. I think we, yeah, if they let mm. us, we'll, uh, I think Aussie Nate needs to stand up and be accounted for this one because he's a teacher. <laughs> so that's, that's, what, that's what needs to happen. Other than the, the results and the Kilnard and Samaban pulling out, it was uh, a good day because live on TG4, the attendance record, although it was the first day of rain in four weeks, and of course it landed on the, on this Saturday. The thing uh, I was saying to Prof was because it was on TG Car, um, they were shooting back towards the West Stand, yeah. so you could see the crowd in the background. Because oh, normally for the women's games, the camera is based in the uh, West Stand, shooting towards the East Stand, which right. is empty. So it was the first time that you could like see the crowd for the the women's game, and it makes a difference. Right, you know, yeah. it's a big difference to the backdrop. Um, also, massive fan of the tea and biscuits at halftime that isn't provided at the men's games. Big shout out to Big DD, Dennis Donahue. Very, very fond of a jammy dodger. Likes a chocolate biscuit as well. And no. a nice big cookie. So I'm fond of his biscuit selection. Did he have Jaffa Cakes? He didn't have Jaffa Cakes, not this time around. But I am fond of his biscuit selection. So big shout out for that. It's a nice touch. Come in and get your biscuits, get you a cup of tea. Now, I'm not saying this was on offer because I was sort of in an unauthorised area. Oh, he's like but, a pig with truffles. I sniffed there. I was... I was momentarily invited into a, a very secret location operated by the Kinder, Buen- Kinder Bueno King. The Kinder Bueno oh, Did he fill your pockets? You want to see the chocolates this man has. It's, it's a room I've never seen before. I've never seen so many chocolate bars. Is this the stash house? There's some operation he's running in there. <laughs> he has all the keys to the stadium. I tell you, you want to make friends with him. Yeah. So, yeah, small margins, you would say. Um, like P-Mount hit us in the break. Like they were dangerous in the first half as well, weren't they? Mm. You can tell they're an established team. You could say it's a bit of a rivalry farming here. I I know we're well. It's a little bit nasty as well off the field. Mm. So what we're what we're hearing, but they, we won't they, delve too much into that. But it they is they brought a good crowd. They did. I um, I I don't like. I mean, I don't get this type of thing. I don't get the the hatred. Understandably, right? It's better for the league. It's a professional setup. And you can't stop people from doing what they want as regards to wanting something better, possibly. Maybe the setup at Rovers is a little bit better than p and people wanted to try something new, but there is a lot of 
There's a bit of an edge to it, let's say. Which is no bad thing, I think, for the league. Possibly, you want yeah, teams to have it. You don't you want, want them all to be too yes, friendly exactly. with each other, you know? So it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and, and it's, to be, from P-Man's point of view, I can see exactly if you're losing players to another team, you're going to be pissed <laughs> off. But if it creates a bit of a bit of an edge, there we go. great. <laughs> yeah. Bring it on. Our own Anya O'Gorman and Abby Larkin have been included in the Ireland squad pre-World Cup training camp. Prof, is this something similar to when Jack Bourne got included in a camp and then dropped for the day out of the squad. Um, I, I find that <clears throat> baffling. I don't know. I'm hoping it means that, okay, <clears throat> girls, this is how it is. You're in. Or is it a case of you still have to prove yourself? I, no. didn't, I didn't see a number on this training camp. So I don't know how big... Is this a bloated squad or is this the squad that Vera is actually thinking will most likely be my... I should squad. know this, shouldn't I? I know yeah. Sweden, for example, have have named their twenty. Yeah, okay, we'll go with it being um, pretty much definitive, hopefully. But I think on I think twenty of June is that when she's named the squad. And this friendly is on the twenty second. So I know we there's a couple on standby as well. Mm. Lana McAvoy uh, said she's on standby, and so she's kind of the Colin Healy of twenty twenty two. Twenty Healy. So interesting stuff actually about Lana. Her dad, Brian, played for Bray Wanderers and uh, bit, it runs in the family even more than that guy. How about this for a stat, right? Only two Ireland players have ever finished as top goal scorer in the English top flight. Ooh. So can you name one of them? And I'll, top goal and then I'll give you the other the one. English top flight. Yeah. So he's an Irish international and he finished top goal scorer. So it's obviously pre- Premier League it's not, nobody's on the Premier because League. we're talking about McAvoy I'm going to guess Andy McAvoy yeah but Steve can get the other one obviously it's Andy McAvoy um, um, what were we talking years boys so pre-92 oh god probably a striker no, no not like Quinn he's not old enough uh, can you guess Colin? Frank Stapleton no hit us bro who we got John Aldridge John, John Aldridge oh, yeah, couldn't, hit, couldn't yep. hit a couldn't hit a so John Aldridge and really as, How many goals? Yeah, I didn't actually check the goals. But yeah, as Con says, Andy McAvoy for Blackburn. He shared about, with Jimmy Greaves in 1964 65. And That's Andy McAvoy company. was Alana's granddad. Ah, there we go, prof, with the stats digging deep. And I played against Andy McAvoy's son, who's probably Alana's dad. Uh, when I was playing, I used to play football. <laughs> I know, looking at me now, you wouldn't think. Uh, we need a connection now. We need to delve in here. Uh, yeah, down, and it was in Bray, actually, we played. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I, I thought he was Andy as well, but maybe he was Brian. I don't know. Maybe there might be two brothers, but um, yeah, that was so the lads a little the bit of trivia yeah. there. All right, so the Academy News, our 2013 group made it to Two tournament wins uh, in the space of a fortnight after winning the under 10 Jer Connery Cup on Sunday. So more silverware. Um, our our silverware trophy cabinet is certainly not bare in the Roadstone. It's going to need a couple of them. We're going to need an extension. Um, congratulations to our 2011 group on the winning the DDSL Saturday under 12 Premier Division as well. So that's a treble for the boys. Uh, you boys. got the DDSL under 12 Cup. You got the under 12 Premier Division and the All-Ireland under 12 Cup. Absolutely, and well done to our young players who graduated from the SRFC Ashfield College Transition Year Programme. Colin, you so, want to say something there? Well, I was just going to say, during the Yellow ITV coverage of the UCD match, we showed the goals <coughs> from the uh, <coughs> under-14s for the previous couple of weeks, and 
as you said, there's Richard Ferris eye. Yeah. Um, Robbie Keane's young fellow, I think, might be. Well, there was a Keane. Yeah. I, I figured Greener's it was Robbie. son is there. Greener's son. McPhail, um, Joel, young Joel is there. Some of the goals were phenomenal. I, I was saying, like, if that was Ajax under 14's team scoring goals like that, you'd be saying, Jesus, they, they yeah. only have that in Holland, you know. So the, the work they're doing and the players, the, the production line coming through is fantastic and they're doing it all mm. over the world in all these tournaments as well which is yeah. which is brilliant it's a great step up <clears throat> uh, Con did you get as many points as Neil Ferrugia in your Liebensert do you know it's so long ago I can't remember <laughs> uh, I don't know if we had points in those days it was like, you know stones and chisels and stuff <laughs> uh, I, I, I did I was at bang average so I don't know probably not as good as he's even though he did terrible in your quiz uh, I was just about to say I'm sure you're probably beating him in the quiz I would have beaten him in the quiz every every time I listen to the quiz it, it kills me that some of the questions they miss but uh, <laughs> uh, no I'd say he got way more points he he ended up in a good course in UCD and stuff so no 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 be a new quiz segment Gary how do you like to Con Murphy face off against oh. other fans <laughs> put him off against his fellow co-com yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so up next we have start 11s and predictions <laughs> Prof it's um, it's a tough one Con are you going to take part in this one I'll leave it to you guys right so it's this is pretty much two weeks away Mm-hmm. And I, do you know what it is? I haven't even been checking the suspensions because there's so many. So, so who's back? Richie Tell's back. Richie's back. They're all on holidays at the minute, so they're all soaking in Rome and Dubai. Finner was available last week, but he wasn't used. So Finner's available. Paul's going to play, so it's going to be given Frugge's performance at Daymond last time. I think he has to start. Yeah, it's going to be Grace Pico and Cleary for me. I just think I think Cleary. If we want to win in Daily Mount, he gives us that little bit of extra edge as regards to his passing. I think his distribution is unbelievable. It's underrated. He can ping a ball, a cross a ball in like any winger. I think he's really, really good in that sense. Would you for, give him a man of the match <clears throat> award for his distribution? <laughs> Maybe, <yeah. laughs> um, who have we got left? Is Clark back? Clark's out. He's got an injury. He's not going to play, is he? So we got. I'm going to go Farouge on the left and Finner on the right. Going to, Finner's going to start in the derby for me. He's gonna he's he's gonna, he's gonna do the biz because um, I love how he plays at wing back. I know he feels limited himself, but he knows how to play there. He's smart. He's a smart player. He doesn't try and do something he can't. He's not gonna be be good at. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Middle of the park is be Gary O'Neill. Zoom, you're gonna tell. <clears throat> like we say, after P- a three match ban, I mean, will he be rusty? Like we say, Pum has been improving. I've been liking him more and more each week. And he was he was good enough in the the in the tuna win out there. But I'm gonna go Richie. I'm going to go Rigi and it's got to be Gaff it's going to be Gaff I think it was actually Bork hasn't been playing I think it might have been actually Graham Gartland who said this before the Daily Mount game he said for some reason Bork always turns on against Bowles absolutely in Daily Mount because he knows he's in his own his own neck of the woods have to start Bork against Bowles yeah he knows the stick he's going to get if if he ends up losing so I'm going to go Bork Bourne Gaff and um I'm going to go a 2-1 two, a win. Close, close 2-1 win. Obviously, blood and guts. And Bork. Bork to change again. Bork was unplayable out there last time. He was probably one of his mm. best performances ever in a row. We with was he was praises. outrageous. Absolutely brilliant. I got 2-1 prof. What are you going for? Don't forget, no, I left out... Um, I left out Cavo. Who've been playing recently. Mm-hmm. 
I've left out Trev obviously because he's injured so I want pace it's all about pace and you Ferugia once again one of his best games out on Dailymount as well last time no I think we've got the same team <coughs> we don't know about Greener and Kenny uh, with their injuries whether they can be impact subs or, or whatever I'm going to say a ding dong 3-2 win a ding dong when's the last time we had that many goals at Dailymount Park yeah I say Berkey to score uh, Tell scoring his comeback and two two goals for Tell two goals for Tell so um, the game will also be live on RTE so get yourselves mm. down if you've no ticket you are welcome in the four provinces mm. absolutely points of white horse and green ribbon and um, yeah we're going to be showing it in the bar so head on mm. down and you are 100% welcome to come down I'm sure there'll be a big gang coming down after the game as well hopefully, hopefully celebrating three points Maloney said he, he'd listen back to uh, a Bowes podcast from early April so this would have been when they were top of the league and uh, feeling very confident one of them started talking about winning the league by 10 points they were like this is mad isn't it like it wouldn't be typical now if we win our first league title since 2009 and we just do it at a canter and now the narrative you can see it everywhere it's shifted to uh, sure Europe was always the goal yeah that's it Yeah, they were point the sky stuff yeah it's ridiculous Um do you reckon they went down to Aldi over the weekend, Prof? Stocked up? Got some new fence in? I'd say so. Every other team has absolutely shredded that fence as well. And we're <laughs> really the only ones who got, who got dogs abused for it. So um, Yeah, the old F&G <clears throat> block there. They're going to throw out the, the TikTokers. Create an atmosphere. Right, so what's going on in Daily Mill Park at the minute is with the fan culture is nuts. First of all, they release a statement about trying to make atmosphere in Tallah Stadium at a Dublin derby which is mental and then they sent out flyers actual physical flyers paid printers to print them out to talk about the demise of the atmosphere in Jody Stand and they need people to come together and kick the TikTokers out I just find it embarrassing it's crazy I mean what is going on within the civil war that exists in the Jody Stand so yeah so already the scramble for tickets is intense. Um, Prof is already right. putting out the, 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 the smoke signals there to say, do not DM us under any circumstances asking for tickets. I can't stress this enough, right? We give the tickets. We don't want, want your requests. If we get them, we will dish them out perfectly and, and whatever way we can. It's rare. No, but but sometimes we might get an email off a member from abroad who said, listen can't make it here's a ticket I'm a member there you go I bought one and then we'll whoever is on the list but you're talking tiny numbers like Sligo on the first day of the season very very few can't numbers can't guess how many spares right we got for that opening day in Sligo how many how many people came to Tifties and said actually I can't go here's a ticket how many do you think first game of the season uh, yep few not many three three yeah, mm. yeah. so there's 600 and something members there's 450 people in the monostand. 8,000 would go with a home game. Do the maths. We do not have spares. No. <laughs> please no. Please don't miss And us. if we do, it's not going online. It's going to <laughs> the close people who... Are, we have a list system, you could say, where it's pretty much, you know, whoever asks and if they're a member, they don't get it. But listen, it's, it's a bit of a hierarchy, but... Um, Brian McKenna is looking for a ticket, Gary. Uh, he's reportedly winning he the trade. You wouldn't guess, would you? He's reportedly willing to trade his Derek Tracy snow globe, which he is a big sacrifice. Also, thrown a Harchester jersey into the mix. 
<laughs> so that's not a bad it's not a bad spot price he will do whatever it takes yeah so prof we are done asking the questions we are going to hand the microphone over microphone over to Con, and he's gonna he's gonna hit us with a prof. And just before we start, actually, uh, I think oh yeah, I think this might have been Con's plan all along because we're an hour in here, we're in a small room, uh, as the AI said, Carl's spare room. Don't know how it knew that, <laughs> but we're sweltering. Con is ready to put the pressure on. I think he has it just where he wants us. Mm. I think we're gonna call it Prof's parlor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A parlor that's so old school. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's got the lovely old wooden drinks yeah, cabinet in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> the guitar, which you've promised not to play. <laughs> a parlor is something that you just didn't use. Our parlor growing up, you weren't allowed in it. <laughs> That's the room no one's allowed in. Uh, well, listen, thanks a million, first of all, for asking me to do this because, um, like, you're just nearly at 250 uh, episodes now and you've grown this thing. It's got great support from the Shamrock Rovers family uh, and trusting me to interview you uh, on your program is a it's it's actually i'm quite honored and this is the first time i've been nervous interviewing somebody <laughs> since i interviewed uh, johan cruyff in barcelona <laughs> Very good company. that's the truth <laughs> but um your your double act like when you think of the great double acts you know the laurel and hardy the uh, abbott and costello the Twiggy and Desi Baker. <laughs> I like where this is going. Oh yeah, keep going. Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> but no, you've formed this great double act, um, and you're kind of an unlikely pairing. And I suppose you've been asked a million times, but I'm going to ask it at the start anyway. The the six years ago when the idea for the podcast came up, like how did it happen? How did did you know each other well at that point, or what was the story? Yeah, I'll lead the way with this one. Um, me me and Prof, are, we've both grown up on Captain's Road so we've our, both our parents knew each other worked with each other in CIE um, Prof's mom was pregnant with Jonathan well no no Prof's mom was pregnant with him when my mom was pregnant with my brother Jonathan so they knew each other worked together drank together and it, we just grew up together playing football pretty much on the same road mm. and when it did come to the podcast I can't remember what prompted it I think I just I don't know why I thought I just remember you I think were you in Pulse at the time we on Pulse Recording mm. College at the time? Not at the time, but I did a year of sound engineering, so I kind of had that bit of background. But And that had a lot to do with it as well, because I was just thinking, like, because I knew I know how good he is with sound, mm. and growing up with him as a mate, I know how good he is with these things, and I just thought, we, like, I, I can talk shy for days. He can edit it. He can do something good with it. We could try this out and then see what happens. Well, mention the poker because that's kind of where it originated. So we drink on Sundays in Johnny Blue's bar and we play poker and we'd have a big pot. We'd pay tenner each every week and then we build up the pot. And then all that pot would go to your dad who beat, who, <laughs> who beat us in the end. Yeah. So we'd have Johnny Blue's poker every Sunday and it'd be great crack. We'd be drinking all day, playing poker, having the crack, and it just kind of developed from there. And um. The room itself is a rover stronghold. Have you been there? I've seen from Limfield. There's scarves adorning it. There's gifts that we've been given throughout the years. It really is a proper rover's bar. And um, so I we, think we'd we be talking about rovers on the Sunday. <coughs> we'd be talking about the was, game on Friday. We didn't think we were experts or anything, but we were just. It was pub talk. And maybe that's it. Maybe that I planted think that's the idea what it was. in your head. I think. We, I think, ultimately at the end of it, after Johnny Blue took our money, it was just like, 
we should probably give this a bash. Mm. We talk enough shit as it is. You went on about it for a long time. And I think it developed on the back of the bus as well because obviously we'd be talking on the way home from away days. And we just said, let's give it a go. And even in the lead up to it, we, I think the both of us are thinking it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it was not going to happen. But then oh, yeah, it yeah. came up to it, I think it was within a week of it, of the season that we were like, this is actually happening. We're actually going to do this. Honestly, even two days beforehand, I sat here and was like, nope. Believe <laughs> it or not. Not doing a podcast. Actually, actually, the first people that I told about it, I was in Disneyland with the kids and, and my wife and I met Philly Richardson and Spanish Macker who were over there with their kids as well. And I was telling them, as we recognise each other from Rovers, and I was like, yeah, yeah, bring that podcast. They're like, what's that? I was like, so, so podcasts weren't even a thing back then, so. No, I think you had LOI Central. And they, were very, they weren't as explosive. Between the stripes started later that yeah. year, so it was probably the greatest league in the world with me yeah. and Conan as well. Oh, yes, I'd say uh, so. Yeah. They you heard really that and you said, we can beat that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it pretty much started, wasn't it? Pretty much, like, uh, over the winter of sort of 2016, you were harping on about a lot we had this good little notepad and what did we used to do we used to have like bets on who would be top ghost or most assists oh, yeah, that, that kind of started to turn into a bit of a platform mm. season then, predictions season predictions and then we sort of had a plan for the first episode I was like well what we had no idea like how do we talk what do we talk about then we got the idea to interview Ron and Finn which ended up being half the episode then Kanye said you went back and listened he just but, signed didn't he 17 minutes long he came back yeah I think it's about f- maybe 15. Yeah. yeah, I listened to the first episode because I, I only came on board after about five or six episodes as a listener. And so I'd never heard the early ones, but I, it, because I do my research, I went back and I listened to <laughs> episode number one. First thing that struck this. me, duration of episode number one. 30 minutes, maybe? 32 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that struck me straight away because, I mean, you'd spend 32 minutes about team selections nowadays yeah. uh, but uh, the other thing was you both sounded a bit different funnily enough maybe it was because Robotic. it was your very Robotic. first one a little bit timid almost like you're so boisterous normally Gary <laughs> and you just sounded almost a little bit shy at the very beginning this is only on the first one now after that it took off um, but it was great to get Ronan on the first one because Hadn't it, it just kind of back? gave you a bit of, um, of, a, of, a, of a kind of a What's the word? Credibility. Yeah. From the club, yeah. or, you know, from the players, that this is something that they might get involved in. And, and it was great to have him. And I honestly, I had, I know I did Tata Time, the book, but McDara did the majority of those interviews. Uh, we met Trevor Crowley in town and we interviewed him. But Ronald Finn is the first person I have ever sat down on my own with and interviewed. And coincidentally, in the same month, I got the position to be SRC TV official interviewer. So that was a that was a total coincidence that, that those two things happened at the same time. I'd never interviewed a player before and suddenly I was a podcaster and I was interviewing Bradzer post match and players post match. So it was all happening at so once. It was very sudden. When it rains it pours, like it all happens yeah. at once, but just to give you some context into prof growing up, very, very shy. Very shy individual. Even now, like if I'm driving by him and I shout, well, oh, Prof, the, the neck barely torns, you know, he, <laughs> he, he won't even look, you know, he's always very, very shy, and now this goes back to Talatime as well for the launch, so obviously as the best part of growing up, and watching him blossom, Rovers has really taken him out of his shell, especially at the Talatime launch, I still remember him in his purple short, seeing him wearing a short was even funny. I need to bring that back actually. And he bring back the shorts, so <laughs> he's on stage, shirt. I'm watching him on stage, this is, 
this is mind blowing stuff and he's talking about the book that he's written and then fast forward a couple of years he's interviewing players he's doing TV interviews and he's pretty much pioneering the podcast like it's class it yeah, really is it yeah. just shows you what Rovers can do for a person as and well name checked by commentators on renowned RTE historian and, yeah that's what he's on the roster yeah. of work now as well <laughs> renowned, renowned historian and come here what was the initial reaction like I mean did you get an immediate reaction to the first episode from people well the first game was Oriel Park and the Borky send off yeah the Borky send off and the goal yeah but like I said two days beforehand I was like no I'm not doing this because you have to <laughs> You're putting yourself out there. Really, are you? Yeah. Like you're putting your neck on the line immediately. You're making yourself potentially look like a tick mm. if you would do a podcast. So I was very, very apprehensive. But then we did it. We put it out on the Thursday morning, and then Oriel Park was the Friday night, and countless people came up to us and said, "Well done." That was good. Yeah, I think I always remember Buzz O'Neill coming, coming up and saying, "Well needed." Yeah. And I just thought that's that's a nice compliment. It's a nice comment because it was. It's something that didn't exist really at the time. Very possibly first club podcast from a League of Ireland club. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I can't. It's over 250 Good now. Question, I don't think anybody yeah, else. Yeah. It could be. It could be. Well, if anything, I'm surprised we were the first to do it because you had Dunster doing the SRFC TV commentary years earlier. You would figure maybe someone like a Dunster would be the first to do this. But for whatever reason, the niche was there. The opening was there. And we took it. Funny enough that you said that earlier on, Con, about us being different. A girl in work, I'm sure she won't mind me saying it, Shannon said to me, she said, she can't believe how she laughs when she sees us talking. She thinks we're so different. She's like, I can't believe he's our friends. I was just like, I don't want to say to that. But um, it, it goes back to just the, the kind of connection that the two of us have and why the podcast keeps going is because ultimately we grew up together. Mm. We get each other's traits. We know what each other can can take, but it's down to pretty much the love of Rovers and that we just make time for it because we yeah. want to do it yeah. more so than anything. And it kind of encapsulates what following Shamrock Rovers is about because it, it, there are different people from all men, women, boys, girls, old men, young ga- guys, young girls. You know, people from posh areas, people from not posh areas. It all coming together for one reason yeah. for Rovers. And you know that's and what. It's also, about. don't forget that the prof actually records, edits, and does everything himself. Do not underestimate how important that is, because mm. like if you go down to that new recording studio that we talked about earlier on around the corner, they could charge you four hundred quid just to do a pod and do mm. some little video on YouTube. So this is all prof learning to do this. Yeah. Something that we were interested in back in our our beat making days in this room <laughs> with this amp that's behind us and the drum machine and. <laughs> Just what we tried to do as kids and just growing up listening to music. Prof took it to another level and went and got an education and got actually an idea of how to record and edit sound. And then that I'm is, not saying there's anything major complicated about the recording yeah, it's itself. Tough, it's tough, but man. there is there is a lot of time to it. Like to oh, yeah. If you've seen yeah. Prof on a Thursday morning coming into work after about two hours sleep yeah it's tough don't don't you gotta big <laughs> yourself yeah, absolutely up no i know all about it and um, when i was listening to the first episode as well it, the first 20 seconds of it was build me up buttercup and straight away the hairs went up on the back of my uh, by the way i think that should be played before every rovers game there are some games where it doesn't get played and i get annoyed but anyway <laughs> the choice of music is, i mean gary's saying you pick the music do, do you pick the music because it's it's so clever Honestly, this is our most frequently asked question. 
Yeah, it's it's something that mm. we it, at the start it was always a sticking point. It was something that we always talked about. Mm. But like, let's be honest, it's probably Joe Soap, as I call Prof's dad, mm. as well. He has a big influence in it as well because big into yeah. blues, ridiculous music knowledge, yeah. ridiculous. But we always yeah. try and have a meaning or a little dig, and it could be me one week, Prof most weeks maybe. That's but it. Some sometimes Gar picks it three weeks in a row. Sometimes I pick it. Just, be like, there's no rhyme or reason. It's one hundred percent being this this yeah. week. It's this. It's this. And it's but, we love people who have have to listen. You, Derek Kelly, I tweeted there not too long ago. I'm the only one who has to listen to this three times. Yeah. Pop is like, yes. I like, we call it a mashup, don't we? A mashup, yeah. I like when you drop in bits of audio and a quote of somebody, but maybe a commentary yeah. from Yukon and then a song. I actually take pleasure in timing a song, the ending and the beginning of a song. Sometimes I time it to the point where this, the, the singer is just starting a word and I'm getting right in there. But DJ Prof Master yeah. Flex did <laughs> my favorite one's the Brennan's, the Brennan's remix. Jeez, that's, that's, that's gone back. That's probably probably one of my favorites. And and people who are listening don't realize that there is a, a huge amount of work goes into massive editing all that together and cutting the bits of audio in over the music and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, but I'd even go back to the prep, like the prep. The prep is the big thing. Thursday and Friday are my favorite days of the week because I'm. They're the only two days I don't think about the podcast. Yeah. And then as soon as Saturday, we're already thinking about the layout. I could ha- We could have an interview on the Monday evening or something. Like This goes back to once again growing up that like, we used to play football on the on the road. And Prof, Prof would have stats, nearly stats on the on the road yeah. about how many goals we'd score. <laughs> and in school, you kept scores. Like, like it's He's been always... It's just that way inclined. just the way he's building them wired. So... I, I just come in and the script is there and then I go off script and go back to it. It's just a guideline, but it's without it. it it's just, it's it's brilliant. Everything just ties in perfectly. But I'd like, actually, as as a listener, does it sound scripted? No, it's, it sounds like you have bullet points. Bullet points. points. Yeah, scripted is probably a... Uh, to be, it doesn't sound yeah. scripted. To be fair, it was already scripted at the beginning mm. because we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. We yeah. hadn't a clue how to lay out a show what to talk about we were fear, fearful of dead air so it was t- the first two or three were t- you haven't said that in a while yeah dead air but then after a while it was just here's a sentence and yeah. then Gary would expand yeah. on it and I'll expand on it and it starts to flow then and, and, exactly, and that's, yeah. that's, that's and that helps like Gary says we know each other our whole lives so that chemistry sort of helps there's yeah. no no need to fake anything it's natural it's yeah. like you could sit in the room with them not say anything for an hour but it's a comfortable silence, that type yeah. of thing, you know, because you've mm-hmm. just grown up together. Yeah. But just final point on the music, yeah. um, my gar- gar was crediting my dad. Um, you're saying the music is very clever, which is a nice compliment, but I, I don't think I can really take that compliment because I, I don't consider myself really a, an expert or a connoisseur. I don't, like, you probably hear a song at the stars and you think, how did they think of that? Yeah. But often it's just, I'll ask my dad, Name a song from the fifties about this, like that, yeah. and you won't think about it. He just called it out, and there it is. And it might be, probably makes us look clever, but it's probably my dad. Oh well, it's good yeah. that he's getting the credit here, yeah. then, because it is very clever. Certainly deserves and, it. And the fact that you say so many people ask about it means that it, it you know, registers with a lot of people. We do like to take oh. the piss as well. There's a few yeah. little digs we like to throw in every so often as well. 
with uh, little nuggets here and there. So, but that's good yeah. as well because I think again, like going back to what we were saying about the women's team having a bit of edge and stuff, like you can have a friendly rivalry and stuff. And if you're having a little dig, absolutely, you know, yeah. it's a fans podcast. So, it's football. You know, we don't want to get on yeah, the rugby exactly. road, do we? Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the, um, you were saying Ronan Finn was the first interview you ever did. Uh, that's six years ago. So now you're you've interviewed probably five hundred people since then between the two of you maybe exactly. more okay. have you improved do you think as interviewers I mean that interview with Ronan Finn was very good I thought by the way I can't remember any of that interview now I'm actually I'm actually thinking <coughs> back to it now um, I would like to listen back to it just to see how um, you've developed your mm. style as well because but I think my style is always similar I'm just I'm more inclined to let the person speak I hear under, other interviewers now other podcasters and I find some of them a bit maybe egotistical they're kind of they're trying to dive in with their own points and jokes whereas that that's not really my thing if i interject with something i must think it's really important Mm. because it's not really my style so i don't think it's changed that much other than i've gotten more confident i put more research into it and i sound more like a radio host where i'm sure the round of finn one i sounded robotic but i i always wanted to kind of have it I know the style that I like. I like to kind of delve and go sideways and then go back and go straight on again. So I like to kind of have little sidebars here and there if it does and feel relevant. So obviously Prof's got way more under the belt than me and he'll tell you he's got more episodes underneath the belt <laughs> as well, which he likes to mention every so often. But I think I like to be a little, I like the kind of edgy ones. I'm working on one now at the minute. It's a little bit edgy. But I like I like to be a little bit edgy about it. And some mm. stuff that people don't necessarily like to talk about, but don't throw anybody under the bus in the same mm. in the same vein, you know. Stuff that talk talking points. I like talking points. A good example was the Darren Dillon one, right? So Garrett did yeah. Darren Dillon the start of the season. And a couple of people in our chat was like was like, Oh, where was Carol? Why didn't Carol do that one? And I just said Garrett was far more suited to this one. It made more way more sense for Garrett to interview Darren Dillon than me. And, and it made for a better chat. Yeah, and it was um like it was an interesting it was it was an interesting one because he had a lot to say he mm. had a lot to say and he featured heavily in the success of the club and it was I I, I enjoyed it I, I felt it could have mm. go on for a bit longer I could have probed mm. a little bit more but I didn't want to turn it into that type of interview where it could have possibly got a little bit tetchy between the mm. two of us which I don't think it's ever gotten actually when I think about it now but no I think I think our style is kind of suit together even when we're together as well. I think my big problem at the start was interrupting people as well though I felt like I was trying to get my point across too much and then you have to be able to take criticism I don't I don't get anyone in life in general who cannot admit and put their hand up and say they've made a mistake Mm. it's all about the recovery is the big thing I always say in work isn't it if something's going wrong and say okay let's recover it's Mm. all about the recovery and how you how you get better and if you have made a mistake put your hand up Mm. and, and you can improve on that which some, I was always interrupting people. Some of that may have been alcohol related. Yes, very much so. Because <laughs> we're doing these live shows and we have some beer in us, and we're it becomes a literal pub chat where yeah. people are talking across each other. Whereas I'm, I've always more conscious of nothing. This is a podcast first, yeah. and also a pub chat where we're drinking. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And we learned that the hard way, but listen, <laughs> it's learned. I'm going to be very careful here now about interrupting any questions, any answers that you give. Um, You've had great support from sponsors as well. Um, one or two have fallen away by the wayside, but you've had some really solid sponsors yeah, as well. Yeah, but do you know what? It's We still have a good relationship with them as well. Like um, Peachtree's were our first ever sponsors and they were brilliant. Yeah, They were excellent with us. They hosted 
plenty of like they hosted a couple of shows um, anytime we needed to have little meetings here and there like if I was meeting anyone with potential or anything like that they, they were great they were brilliant I'll never ever say a bad word about Peachtree East and I still have any bashes or venues there use them for whatever we need I'd ring them up and if they need anything <laughs> I need anything still a great relationship there Peachtree East have been absolutely brilliant for us yeah. um, Manscaped the less said about <laughs> it the better they still have it over there actually uh, yeah. made its debut as well Prof well I'm not going to have a big speech about it like you did. Uh, I don't know if you have a section on this, Con about biggest regrets from the podcast. I think right up there would be Gar's Manscaped review. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, right? Do you know what? When I chance my arm with it, because this is my sort of thing, so I'll talk to a million sponsors before will get back to me. And then when I do, get the hooks in. I'll just tell them the facts. I'll tell them everything, the integration, the farm projects, everything that we do. The social nights, the beer, everything. We just want to incorporate absolutely everything into the Rovers experience and make it a culture. Make it a culture. And a lot of people have bought into it, but Manscaped was just a robotic response from some saleswoman who sent us out a free ball shaver each. And in order to keep going with this sponsorship, we had to sell 50 a month. And it was monetary though, which I didn't care for. Obviously the sponsorship keeps us going and we have fees to pay with SoundCloud and stuff like that and it helps us get abroad to Europe. That is what it is, but this was purely a money-making scheme from them and I felt no personal relationship with them. I couldn't connect. That's what the big thing was. We want to be able to incorporate them into the Rovers world. It didn't happen. They just wanted how many ball shavers we sold. So we pretty much ripped them a new one on, on one episode and said, right, we're done. <laughs> No more Manscaped. And they wanted to interfere with the editing of the show, which Prof didn't want anything to do with. Yeah. And he's right as well. So they wanted to have like an insert of one of their rubbish audio inserts in the middle of the show that will disrupt everything. Or they wanted me to say the same thing at the start every time. Well, so for, the, for the small amount of money we're talking. There wasn't even any money. It was, a, it was a free shaver. Yeah. And then if you sold 50, you'd make some sort of minimal amount. And it, it just wasn't worth it. We, we did it many times. It wasn't many and we just sat back and we were like, this isn't us. This isn't us. Like, we want the little guy, you know. We want to, to help the little guy in the little company. So, um, who else have we got? Camille Toy. That didn't end too well now, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say much about that. It ended well for me. I still order it he out there. stuffs his face <laughs> Every Sunday, front, yeah. Get the old toy um, Ocean Electrical. Honestly, Craig Matten has... Like, he should be running for the likes of... Now, this might sound like I'm licking his arse, but Craig, Craig is brilliant in what he's done with his own company like he started <laughs> off his company from the ground up and now they're massive they got big contracts he's doing really really well it mm. is an inspirational story for a, a young lad from Tala to come up and have a massive company mm. like that mm. and do really well and, Craig and he's been, been a, brilliant with us Craig's been on holidays now for I think 9 months oh, 12 months of the year he's on holiday <laughs> about 10 of them but he still touches base you know and looks after us but he's it's they're excellent they've been so supportive Every single thing we do, and it's a great relationship, and he's proper rovers. He's a, he's a member. The whole lot lends the credit. Brendan Dawson been brilliant with us. He, I think the way he said it was, he said, "I call you as my bastard child. I, he's don't do much for me, but I'll still sponsor you." I think that's what it was in the end. But it's all about just kind of incorporating it and the unofficial side of things with like the probs and all the little connections that we have. Um, it's it like I said, it's just a culture. We want to just promote the culture. Bit of culture. And this is another example of you said the the girl in work was surprised that we get along together. You hear the things that Gary is passionate about and what he likes. 
and you hear the things that I'm passionate about what I like they're two different things but they're both important components of the podcast so I think we, we're, we're never getting each other's way never. Both like give me an example of that well that's that is my example my obsession right. <laughs> my obsession is the production of the podcast Gareth is to a large extent the other aspects the promotion mm. the sponsors the 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 Rawers events and that stuff so it just meshes well just creating a culture that's the big big word is creating that and um, I think once Prof I just want to make sure if we're having a live show Prof just has to rock up turn the microphone on and whip out the good material whereas I'll make sure the fans are there I'll make sure there's no one acting up I'll make sure that the setting is right and that everybody knows and where to go and what time to go stuff like that player of the year was prime example as well that was Prof's night off Prof go have a night off I'll organise the whole thing stuff like that every away bus like one person will say well done on that bus and I'll say thanks I guess <laughs> if the bus is late in any way let's not talk about Formoy but if it's late in any way I'll be like listen Gary runs his bus but it does, I have nothing to do yeah, with this bus yeah, oh yeah he chose me under the bus when, when it goes wrong but yeah no that's pretty much it have you um, obviously stats is a big thing for you um, have you stats relating to the podcast like which one got the most listeners <coughs> which is the longest one you did for a while didn't you There's, there was a weird quirk end the season reviews if we need that but you come up with some fucking crap. there's a weird one that for whatever reason our third episode when we had Tomer and Trevor Clark on the quiz I don't know why but that got nearly 3,000 views in the course was it I don't know if that's because it was the first quiz and who was involved did or he course just before that did somebody just keep pressing play over and over again yeah he did he cursed that week possibly something got to do with it because it went viral didn't it I don't know why but for some reason that's number one so let's just put that anomaly aside and let's say our most listened to episode is Tony Cousins and Mark Kenny really? in the summer of 2018 and Carol Kearns always kind of hopes that he's number one. <laughs> he's still replaying. Him, he's still refreshing the feed now. Him, him and the brother Conor Kearns were on in 2019 and that's still number three. So there's your top three. But the listens are, there's vague counts as well. Like you've got so mm. many platforms that the pod just appears on. Mm. You'd know as well. I don't even know what I listen on. It's a purple thing on my phone. Right? <laughs> So uh, it, just, it just appears. Uh, so if you Google Tales in the Eastland, it pops up on Podtail, it pops up on Podbean, pops up on all these ones that we have no interaction with. Right. We just put it on Spotify, put it on SoundCloud, and then it just grows arms and yeah. legs and goes on well, to these Spotify was different and then you actually had to put it on. And we were we were a bit slow to get into Spotify. I'll hold my hands up on that one. No, no, that was a joint. Yeah. That was a joint effort with the two of us because we did a survey at the end of that season and we said, uh, "What would you like to see from us?" Which is very important. We want to know what fans want and mm. if they care. And I think sixty five percent of people suggested Spotify, and then yeah, so the most listened. Yeah, so the 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 listens we don't really we don't really pay attention to it. It's something we actually don't check at all. But um, we know that there's possibly a core there. Of a, like nearly a thousand people that would relatively mm. listen to the show, and that's it's yeah. a lot when you think about and, it. And the, the other thing about that is it's it's worldwide because you know you've done interviews of people who are listening in Mexico and in Alabama and in yeah. Sydney and in New Zealand and all over the place. Mm. I mean, the fact that you're reaching out, I think that's very important. We did this. We've done a couple of surveys, and one of the questions was, "Where are you listening from?" and some of those countries you called out, Con, that's where their people were listening because you have all these expats, you have hoops who have moved abroad. Some um, of our most heartfelt messages are from the expats abroad, like Amo Mac. I love those ones. Amo Mac yeah. is 
But Rover's mad, and he's living in where? It's not Alabama. That's Alabama Rover. So who? Where? Where's Amy Mac living? Oh, he'll kill me for not knowing well, this. But we the, should know the states. So much but, attention to our fans. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's and we've developed friendships now individually. So I'd be texting back and forth now, and we're pals. So we're talking about Rovers, getting info and stuff like that. So he he sees it. He's in a totally well, alien environment to what he's that, used to living in Ireland. That is very flattering, though. When someone who absolutely can't get to the games, yeah. all they have is you on the stream, Con. They don't have the the chats and the pubs or any of that real in-person experience. They have the podcast. And we got a number of messages from people overseas who said, your podcast makes me feel connected with the club, which I've never felt before. And that that makes you feel good now. Makes Prof feel all warm and squishy. Very so. fuzzy, it makes me feel. Yeah. <laughs> fuzzy. Yeah. And well, it should, because it's true. And, and even for people who are here, I think they can connect with people they've heard on the podcast and see them in the stands and, and suddenly they know the guy's name. Whereas before it might have been a heavier wave. Well, that's part of the whole thing that we spoke about before is the social engineering. People take the piss out of it sometimes, but the social engineering project, you could say, that we wanted to include a part of this was just to get people to know each other, to increase away attendances, to increase home attendances, to increase culture that exists that didn't exist around rovers because it wasn't there because not in 2017 think back to 2017 we had no plans like that back then but it just kind of grew legs and i saw that there was an interest like the live shows and johnny blues they were some of the best crack ever i mean you'd have uh penny the penny hill and the off license there they have to get a show as well louise she's been brilliant she used to supply us for our monthly madness shows so i'd go in there and i'd say right we're going to talk about um, whatever deals you have this month and she said no problem take your pick I'd ring Mark Kenny Mark what are you drinking 20 cans of bummers let's go so mm. and they, four and a half hours later and, yeah and his wife <laughs> there, is ringing there's him. a staff the yeah. long, longest o- podcast Tony four and a half hours is ringing saying blaming us on his wife he's giving out to his wife about us he's the one opening the cans um, so stuff like that and um, it just kind of ties back into the whole integration thing that we need to step on forward as a club and we as a, as fans well me as, as as myself I feel that that's the part you can play when you have this platform mm. and it we have brought a lot of people together as our little crew as well who didn't know each other before the pod which is very very cool like so Aussie Nate their biggest success story mm. likes of um, the Pride of Rings End and Carl Kearns and Matty O'Dell and all who are recently at the Matty's wedding who are all really good friends now I think they met through the pod I'm nearly sure they all met through the pod in the buses. The Aussie Nate one was, we I think it might have been a pre-season friendly, and we met him, and we heard his story, and he, he was Australian, and he moved to Tala, and I just remember chatting to him and thinking, this is amazing. Like, yeah. this yeah. Brilliant. I want to well, put this on the podcast, so yeah. that's what the podcast kind and of provides. the first interview yeah. you did with him when he was drunk. <laughs> That was gold dust. The I mean, dicks that in the forehead thing? Bloody gold dust. It was, well, he amazing. got... He got absolutely mashed yeah. before that show. I don't think he realised he was going to be a guest. Uh, and then we called his name and he looked shocked. <laughs> yeah, he was like, whoa. Yeah. But the story he told was an amazing story. It was brilliant, you know, and it was, just shows you From that, what? you know, for a guy who didn't know anybody in the air, and, and it comes back to your point, suddenly he had a family. Ex- that's exactly what it is. It was very close Palomar. It wasn't coherent at the time. But... <laughs> You managed to edit it into some sort of sentence anyway because it sounded great. So it was nice. We did the 100 episodes in the four provinces then the following year. And at the end of it, we brought Aussie Nate on 
and we said you know what just tell the story you're you're not you're not locked around and just tell mm. the story because it's brilliant we want people to hear it, it was again a tearjerker, wasn't it? i i particularly that show in general was was great because we had like john delaney yeah with mick mccarthy <sighs> we had john delaney fantastic just amazing i like that period we did it because it was like august 2019 we hadn't won a trophy yet and there was so much enthusiasm and positivity in the room very easy to be positive after you win a, yeah, win a trophy yeah. but if you listen back to that episode there was so much positivity in the room about the way the football browser was playing and so for a lot of reasons I might pick that as my favourite ever episode what yeah. a time we picked to start a pod let's be honest oh, we're, we're very jealous do you have is there one that stands out for you Gary yeah um I think the Bradzer cast, it's an easy choice. I think the the Greener cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the first live show on Johnny Blues because I was just starting to kind of organise things, you know? And I was uh, thinking to myself... That was crazy. <laughs> I was very, very proud because we got a big spread on by, by Peachtree. We got loads of drink from, from Carry Out. So I just wanted to provide that fan experience for people. So when they walked in, there was loads of food, loads of drink... Rovers experience a Rovers night and it was just the crack it really was we recorded it it went down a tree we had the stand the three tier stand that everybody was sitting on we streamed it live jeez I forgot about the stand the yeah. stand yeah I, I randomly turned that on a couple of years later I just wanted to hear something from the first few minutes that's all I wanted to listen to I ended up listening to the first 40 minutes I couldn't turn it off I was howling laughing on my own <laughs> so it's, I'd recommend people check that one out brilliant. and there was so many Barney, Kenny B Maloney Carol Kearns some collection who all still actively go now yeah. as well but like I said it's um, it's just it's just a little pet project of mine more than anything just about kind of bringing fans together and wanting the club to get better that's it ultimately it makes the club get better and that's it pretty much and like you talk about bringing the fans together but also you talk about the Bradzer interview and the Ronan Finn interview uh, funny you should mention Greener I thought that was one of the best I think I said to you at the time Carl that was one of the best League of Ireland interviews I had ever heard on any platform ever it was just he was brilliant you did a great job with him that's a hell of a Joey compliment O'Connor. coming from you yeah, no, so. it was, and anybody who hasn't heard that one you maybe you could tell them what episode number it is when afterwards or something but um, you should go back and listen to it if you haven't heard it because it's a brilliant interview but you did great interviews with Joey O'Brien a couple of times I think Joey Pico's O'Brien. done some great interviews the Bradzer one was amazing and I suppose the point I'm making is that you, you have this fans element and fans telling their stories which is crucial to the club the history of the club in a way but also you've had great buy-in from the players and, and the management honestly we can't thank them enough because they don't treat us like regular media if if that's a, if that's a way of saying it they like we talk to them quite regularly about other things and helping out with the club and they're so open to us like Steve McFay was brilliant with us initially <clears throat> he was superb with us he would say right we need Borky at this time 9 in the morning no problem see him then perfect it was it always worked out and they've been so open with us because I think I don't think we've ever we might have hung one or two out to dry <laughs> by accident but hung one or two players out but we never got on Bradshaw's back no never um, let's be honest we've always backed them We've always backed them no matter and what. And we were in the minority. If you go back to April 2018, uh, was that the 99 minute winner against Bowles? Then we lost to Bray in the Monday. You could say that's rock bottom, or you could say later in the year, lost to Bowles, knocked out of the cup by Drada. You could say that's rock bottom. 
we were kind of in the minority to be honest back in browser if you if you went on Robert's chat 95% wanted yeah, it gone but we were steadfast like we were adamant that it would work and we wanted it to work because ultimately I always said this that we were turned into a bastard club where we were sacking managers and not giving them a chance so the right, the right decision was to keep him on and it's proved mm. it's 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 bare fruit now but even going back to the Greener cast that you spoke about Greener spoke about the what what they're implementing in the club now mm. what what Brad's are and co and the football department have instilled in and the culture that exists within Rovers now about having the right person involved about having the right mentality about playing the right type of football about not just signing learning from your mistakes I I totally bought into that and it has it has bared fruit ultimately, but when it goes back to being welcomed in by the players, like even that when we turn up at the Rollstone, they'd be taking the piss and having a laugh mm. and doing the quizzes and stuff like that. What did McPhail call us the first year? The Banter Boys. The Banter Boys, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Banter Boys. I'm glad that didn't stick. We didn't run with that one, no. <laughs> we didn't run with that one. But I even some of the Brazzer cast, I remember the first five minutes he sat here and he started speaking, and I think he swore in the first five minutes. And then he even said himself, "No, I feel much more relaxed here than I do with the normal media." So because ultimately we just want what's good for the club, and we're fans first, but we're never gonna we're never gonna hang anybody out to dry as regards to making the club look in a bad light or anything like that, no matter what. Having said that, I mean when you review games, for example, uh, after a weekend's match, and and maybe Rovers have had a bad game or maybe two bad games in a row. And you might be a bit critical of one or two of the players. Do you worry that maybe the players, A, are listening, or B, might hear that you've said something negative about them? Is that something that ever crosses your mind? Yeah, I'm conscious of never going overboard. Like, I would never say, you know... Unnecessarily overboard, though. Yeah. You get your point across, but you're not going to lash it on. No. Unnecessarily. Once or twice... But you also don't want to use the overly soft language that like Adam Hansen used to use like the boy knows he should have done better there because then your listeners are saying well this isn't really critique is it it's just soft generic crap so you want some sort of happy medium I suppose plus I'm in a unique position where I'm doing the official interviews as well so I'm seeing the players more often so I I certainly don't want to insult them I'd like to think that they'd appreciate some yeah. constructive criticism as well from, from fans. Now, we're no coaches and we're no experts on football. We're just fans who love the game. I think they might appreciate a fan's perspective every so often and it might give them, it might shed a different light on it because maybe they're not being told certain things as well and they might want to hear a different perspective. But we know some of them listen. 100%. Hashtag Brazzer listens. <laughs> we've, had, we've actually had some good friends over the years like uh, Gary Shaw, Dave McAllister, Lukey Byrne. Really, uh, really tough peak, fellas. Peak on recent times, who like they've heard the show and you have you, you have good chats with them and all. So we've had sort of a few friends. Definitely, Shawzy still sends me a screenshot every year. Number one podcast, yeah. <laughs> every year, and you chat to him like you, you something could remind you of him, and you text him, and he he texts you like got oh, listening in the airport and stuff like that. No, I've no idea. They're actual it. people as well. Players yeah. are actual people. Like I think 90 percent of them have no idea Absolutely. what we talk about or care yeah. but there, there have been some who seem to enjoy it but you'd have the, you'd have the odd one who would now um, like like Pico. Pico Pico would probably have a listen and I think more so to be in the loop about everything because that's the club man he is he just wants to be in the loop Amazing, about everything yeah. Yeah. Greener listens as well we know that one I see Pico needs to listen to something on that flight to Burkina there you go Paso, yeah. you know? what are you going to do <laughs> there you go yeah 
Um, but he's been great and yeah you've had great cooperation I mean the quiz has been funny down through the years <laughs> the quizzes man the, I get so much crack out of them like I think we should do more impersonations as well that, do you remember the one with Tomer and Luke we did impersonations we got them to do Jamaican oh, accents yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. like that that was brilliant we never did enough of that but the quiz itself they're always apprehensive always but when they like Prof has this kind of aura about him that he makes people relax around them and even most recently with the with the Jack and the Gaffney one like I Prof sends me the stuff to listen to he's like right here we go get this in before we record listen to it I do the quiz along I'm just the biggest fan as the Prof as you will be because I love his stuff I love his work I love his interviews and when the quizzes come through I just praying for uh, the questions I always say to him don't show me the questions that you're going to ask I want to <laughs> I want to play the quiz I want to do it and some of the answers oh my god they're desperate they are desperate but it's brilliant audio and it's brilliant podcasts it really is I, I love them and they're actually very hard to kind of coordinate as well at times because you always want to have the full team there for the final do you remember the best one was in the Don't bar in the Roadstone Joey versus Dave McCaffrey Joey and Dave that was, that was raucous that was great because Joey didn't Dave have the the spinner wheel they just introduced a new fine system. I don't think it was the whole squad. I think we got a few of them already. But there was a fair few, wasn't no, there? There was a couple in Rollstone in the first season where you went up into... Sorry, not Rollstone. Kickstart Fitness. Yeah. And you were Kickstart kind of... Went well, yeah. You were kind of in the reception and the players were kind of coming in. What's this? And they just sit down here, and listen. Yeah. That's why the Tomer and Trevor Clark when I mentioned. I think that was the whole squad Listen to that one. But then there was the James Doona one where we deliberately wanted the whole squad mm-hmm. to hear this because this is the last one lads James doing it let's see who he does yeah and the rest is history <laughs> still don't know who we got then <laughs> <laughs> and the next round already now the the big uh, what's the big head to head in the next Jack round? and Gaff Jack and Gaffney yeah, yeah that's a good yeah. one big one Hume and Pico is a, is a sneaky one for me though Pico's got to be on his guard there Poom's got. A, I'd say Poom has uh, some sort of royal British education there. <laughs> you know, he's got some fee paying skill there. Uh, as Eamon told me, bring the yellow cards. Bring the, the yellow cards. Mount of descent. I should. I'll use this opportunity to make an announcement. These the last sixteen is going to be on Zoom, because too tricky to do all these in Rollstone. We'll maybe come back for the quarters and we'll do them in person. But last sixteen will be on Zoom, and we have a special guest quizmaster. Prof, you've been keeping this one from me. It's Harry Moore. No way. Young oh, Harry's going to get involved. Christ. There you go. Excellent. And it takes the load off you as well and it gives him a little bit of experience. I like that, Prof. Delegation at its finest. Yep. He's going to have a ball doing that. He's never going to forget that either. Think mm-hmm. about it. Quizzing his idols. Speaking yep. of uh, giving people a chance, you've had Hannah Dunn recently doing your uh, interviews for the uh, the women's team as well. We've had the women's team this season and it's something extra for you guys to talk about and, and include in the, the podcast. And, and women have been a big thing. I mean, like the... Uh, you know the hotline I, I, I they were really interesting answers and and I thought to myself when I was listening to it you know the FAI should be listening to this because this is free research for yeah. them in terms of how women see some of the grounds they visit in the league and the, the attitude towards them and everything in a way you were kind of you're ahead of your time in terms of all that kind of stuff some of the answers were damning weren't they that was a very good hotline, yeah. What, what was that like? It was about 12 or 13 uh, female supporters. Mm, we won't call all them, ages. won't call them who pets. They don't no, like that yeah. term. 
But no, that was brilliant. Um, and it needed to be said because we kind of, you might hear us mention it, we go to Oriel Park now and then and we might read out a quote from one of the ladies saying, once again, no toys. But then you, you forget about it again. I don't think that's good enough to mm. just forget about it. It needs to be hammered home. Mm. Cork, a few weeks ago, did not have a women's toys. Why are people praising Turner's Cross yeah. as one of the best stadiums in, in the country? It's one of the worst stadiums in the country because it has no women's bathroom. Funnily enough, because you mentioned that and you said it shouldn't be dropped, I delved into it. I actually forgot to tell you this. So they have a well, same way the Stadium operates with a well. And there was an issue with the well, but they got the fire brigade down to water the pitch, but they didn't get them to put water in the toilets. So there was an issue there, but like I said, you you it, it can't be dropped. You need to delve mm. deeper and expose these type of things to ultimately better the game. Here, yeah. I think. But yeah, no, the well went dry. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, the hot line, like I've, I, you can probably tell we're making a deliberate effort to, to feature a lot of different voices, whether it's the elder statesmen or the younger hoops or the, mm. or the female fans or whatever. The more different voices, the better. We don't want people to have all the same opinions as us. So I, I've actually never counted it, but in that hotline, we started in December 2020 before the, the COVID Cup final. And I thought it could be pushing 200 people at this point. Mm. Different Easy. different That's fans. Great. Yeah. That's great. By the way, who is the hotline? <laughs> Simpsons, isn't That's, it? Uh, Simpsons. I just found the clip online. Did you? Uh, so, it's not your dad. No, <laughs> no, no. no it's not, I think it's on there YouTube you know, or something. Warning. Joe Soap yeah. hasn't made his debut. <laughs> Actually, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. um, during COVID, uh, obviously the fans weren't able to go to the games for a while. There were no games for a while. Um, how important do you think the podcast was at that time when people weren't seeing each other? I'd say it was an outlet for people anyway because we all, we know we all struggle with COVID and um, even even recording it. What was our first pod back physically? We took a month off and we came back and then we started this Player of the Year series. Um, but yeah, podcast in general, to be fair, was very important to people yeah, because yeah. You, you were stuck in your house. You might get the, the walk outside. I'm, I'm struggling to remember all the rules now. What was it? Yeah. 5K, 5K and all, and all yeah. this stuff. Most people were listening to podcasts, right? They, a lot or, were born during music. COVID as well, and a lot of people. Mm. But it, no, it, I think it did. I, I like to think that it helped people and got mm. them through maybe a tough day or took their mind off something. You know, I do. Some I do remember them. a lot of nice messages yeah. during COVID. Absolutely, saying, COVID was our our most flattering time. Because what was it? Four months with no football, mm. um, and we did a show, not every week. I think we did it. Maybe I think we did three or four until the football mm. came back. Keeps people taking over. Yeah. Plus, it's 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 easy talk, isn't it? It's it's nice and light. You're talking about Rovers, and I think it just appeals to a certain Rovers fan that, like, I I give you an example. Like, let's I work with you. I work with Connor Foley. All good hoops. So the second I see Prof, it's right. He's Rovers. Mm. Second I see Connor, it's Rovers. What are we gonna talk about? We know the conversation is going straight to Rovers. <laughs> so that type of thing, I think might help people out during COVID because they didn't have that interaction with possibly a workmate that they know who's Rovers and didn't have that kind of talk so then they had us talking show for an hour or two in their ear might just, have helped just speaking of work and and, and that it's, it makes me laugh sometimes how it's of no importance It's when it's all about Rovers like I've 
I've got to know people well to the point where I forgot to ask them what their occupation is. Mm. And then it's only after a certain amount of time I've had, I've had a million chats with them about robbers and whether we should play 4-3-3 or 4-4-2. And I'm just like, what do you actually do what for a living? You, we, we looked around on the yeah. bus one time and we looked around and we were like, we don't know what <laughs> anyone does. Yeah. And we are like, it's a nice, simple kind of way of living. Yeah. You go, you blow some steam off, you have the crack on the bus and then you leave. But then the person, the, the obviously the relationships developed yeah. and we got really good friends mm. with certain people and, and you have great relationships with robbers and then it, it kind of builds. And that's how it started. That's how it built. And, mm. Yeah, and the love of robbers and people who, who tell us they enjoy the podcast, your status or whether you're a middle class, upper class, or none of that matters. Yeah. I remember uh, a few weeks ago on my break and work and I'm there like wearing probably crappy clothes and all and having me lunch and then a fella who I think he lives in Kildare but he must work nearby comes in in a fancy suit comes over to us and we're thinking what does this guy want he comes over and goes love the podcast this week yeah, that's great <laughs> none of that matters it's just robbers yeah I thought you were going to say he lent into you and said you should be wearing that purple shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing, I don't know if it was during COVID or maybe it doesn't matter whether it was during COVID or not, but um, the series you did or a couple of podcasts about Milltown and the move, the you know the the, the fight for Tala and stuff. Um, I think that was really educational for a lot of people. Like, I lived through that and I learned an awful lot of stuff listening to the. I should have mentioned that interviews. earlier as I my mean, favorite. That, unbelievable. From that, that's that's a prop special. Like it's it was, I think a lot of people need to listen to it. And it, do you know what? It's that one appeals to all football fans. I think that one can go out to a, mm. a Shells fan or a Bowes fan who would like to ultimately know the demoism yeah. of, of Glenmalore and what happened. I think that would, that's a worldwide podcast for me and that should, it's on par with, like it's Prof's baby, it's brilliant. It's on par with a lot of brilliant, brilliant podcasts that are out there. Well, what was different about that was we, it was, there was a narrative to it in that we'd done all these live shows and monthly madness and all, whereas here we sat down, we weren't sure if it would work here. I remember talking to you beforehand well, this, you, were, you were really apprehensive. Will this make for a good show if you and I sit down and read excerpts from Robert Goggins' books and then we throw it to the lads? Will it be boring? Will, will it work? We weren't sure. It ended up working very well. I, I'd be honest, I thought similar about the 70s show and I just thought this could be long-winded. Mm. But it, it was it was one of the most enjoyable shows I've ever had. The, the live show, was it was brilliant. If you were to ask me now, I've never heard Hipties before. I want to start, should I jump in this week or episode one or I'd probably say put that one on, put on the Tata Saga part one and yeah. two, yeah. listen to that because like you say Con, it is educational. And you don't really need any context, you don't need any prayer, or you need don't, you don't need to know much about it, it's just, it's it's timeless you could say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And there are the, like I almost think new players joining the club should listen to that podcast because it's important for a player to know yeah, the history well, of a team. I think and, very yeah. much so with some of the, the tiebreaker questions. I, the yeah, that, yeah. That, that is exactly yeah. what brought it to my yeah. mind. You know, how many <laughs> cups have you won? Three or whatever it was. Do you know what? Joey O'Brien, he was on the week before that, the Tata Saga. So Joey obviously came on into Johnny Blues. You hadn't heard the podcast before and then we released the Tata Saga and then he became interested in the podcast and he said I'll stick this one on mm. 
And suddenly Joey had learned about the whole history of Rovers and he, he said he loved it. He was fascinated by it. Mm. Joey still listens. Well, you claim he does. He does shout at me clean sheets when leagues. Pro- like, pro- probably not the post stop, but he shouted at me clean sheets when leagues, which was on the previous show. He listened. <laughs> we listened at the time. Um, you were worried about the 70s show, and, and it's curious for me because, again, I kind of, uh, like I'm the same age as John, for example, so I, I, I was going to the matches in the 70s. But for you guys who weren't even born in the 70s, it's interesting that you're still finding it as... As, as interesting as you are. Well, I thought it was yeah. just fascinating because it was something I didn't really know about and it was grim, a grim decade following Rovers apparently. So, But just the way the whole show was structured, I was learning everything on the spot as well mm. with with Prof's uh, research. So I was just growing into it and loving it. And you could hear me in the, my enthusiasm in it like talking about like no relegation at times and stuff like that and all the other things and um, balls being irrelevant for years and all those little tidbits that you're learning on the spot because mm. obviously 70s... I wasn't around so that's that's what I loved about it so I'm still a fan as well learning on the spot yeah it's fascinating for us because we don't we don't know I mean we've read Robert's books and all that stuff but and the first we, when we started the podcast was 2017 two months later was the 30th anniversary of Milltown yeah and Gar I remember joined the walk from Milltown to Tala and you interviewed a few people <coughs> um I think we had Jason Maloney on a couple of times. So a lot of our interviews would gravitate towards what is the best, what is your favourite, and the four in a row will come up a lot in the Michael Neal era. Whereas after six years, I think I'm more drawn to the worst period of... I'm fascinated by the 1970s when we got so low that we were bottom of the table. And this is coming up in part two now next week. John and Martin were at this game, a home that loan. There was 78 paying customers at Meltdown. Now, I am just intrigued by this. 78, 78 people went to a Rovers home match. I want to know everything about that day. Yeah. I want the name list. <laughs> I want to know the weather. I want to know the circumstances. I want to know what happened politically in that week. I want to delve back into that time. Like yeah. That's, that's yeah. It's fascinating. There's some great stories of... European games as well in the 70s and 80s the Linfield one I know you've touched on it in the past but I think there's a, a deeper dive into that Absolutely. Linfield one deeper dive is a great yeah. way of saying it um, and like going back to that sort of period as well like in the 60s you did that interview with John Keogh where he spoke about winning his international cap and again like it's a gem of a story yeah. it's great stuff well, credit to his son for that one his son interviewed him and fortunately yeah John has has had Alzheimer's now in recent years, so he obviously got that interview at a good time. But although he said, I don't know if you're familiar with how sort of dementia works, sometimes you're you're very coherent, sometimes yeah. you're not, sometimes you can remember all the details of a game in the 60s, but you don't know who you're, you're talking to in that moment. Like It's a very strange, complicated disease. But he got a very good 15-minute interview out of him there, and like you say, it was a gem, because... There's never been a story like that where a player had to break into his own ground to get a pair of boots to meet up with the Ireland squad and get a cap and then you show up and then the coach doesn't even know who you are because the selectors picked you. Selectors thing fascinated me. And then you need Johnny Fulham to say, because there's a sub made in the first 10 minutes, uh, T.O. Foley was injured, wasn't it? And if he doesn't have Johnny Fulham there saying, well, no, actually he plays in that, but don't bring me on. Bring John Kyo on. Yeah. 
that's it's an incredible story yeah, that was brilliant and do you find like you're nearly 250 episodes in now so is it hard to keep coming up with new good material like that um there's like we we've, we've had this discussion haven't we we've had this discussion about the possible end of the show and they'll never ever will never be shy of content as regards to talking about rovers because mm. there's always going to be a match yeah. there's always going to be something to talk about but Prof's such a perfectionist he's always weary of the quality of the show and the quality of the content what is it where's my content hashtag, hashtag, hashtag content, content. Mm. so it's all about if we can continue on churning out quality but I'd always say like my counter argument will be people will always want to hear about rovers it could be two other people yeah. we're always going to want to talk about it I always say to them you don't have to necessarily have those standards so 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 high all the time if there's no content there's no content but I think there's always going to be a show and something to talk about there but Prof you could you could touch on that one as well no, no I'm hesitant to sound like uh, I have a bit of an ego but like you used the word standard there I feel like we actually I feel like it was during Colwood because Colwood forced us to think outside the box Dig. because mm. I think Sean Francis was the first one that fell by the wayside we had set that up for the Sunday after the shit hit the fan and yeah. suddenly suddenly we couldn't be in the same room as someone to interview them and we're like yeah. how does this work do we keep our distance or he has a family so no he can't come and then it's like what do you do now and then, times, isn't it? And then obviously Zoom happens and then now we're doing interviews on Zoom which I, I never wanted to do phone interviews because I always thought they were impersonal but we were forced to but then it makes you think of things like the player of the year series and what fan could we have on and yeah I think we've I feel like we've set the bar at a certain place now where I do we do want to have some relevant interview whether it's a player or a fan topical whatever yeah it doesn't have to be every week but I do, yeah. I would like to keep that going to some extent. Like we've, it's been six years. Yeah. We've had nearly every player on except Gary Twig, I suppose. The elusive um, Gary Twig. Two hundred fiftieth episode. Uh, we'll have Desi Baker on. So he's one we've never had on before. But can we? Can we? Can we keep that going? I don't People know. People will be a bit nervous to even hear you talking like this. And to this is all very behind the scenes stuff. This is yeah. stuff that me and Heather uh, talk about a, a couple of drinks. There's honestly. always going to be stories to be told, I think. Um, there'll, there'll be players who are current players now who'll be former players in four or five That's years' true, time. That's true, yeah. Who might be more willing to have an open conversation with you more than they would now. Oh, we've so. a couple lined up, all right. There's a few yeah. lined up, a few explosive ones, potentially. A um, mm. couple of players waiting to retire before they're... Oh, they want to actually so there is definitely content there but we'll have to run a Gary Twig sent me a DM last night by the way because I told him I was talking to you today Go on. and he's going to be in Dublin this summer and he said he'd be delighted to come on the podcast that's interesting so uh, that's interesting now I don't know if we can talk about on air how we really feel but <laughs> well, he's, that's what he said to me there's been a I've, lot of contact and there's been a lot of uh, blue ticks but listen, that's we'll see, that's great because we'll I want to hear I want to hear that Gary Twig interview. Initially, that's the big so. one was we wanted to travel up and make it comfortable for them. We wanted to twin them with Chris Turner because Chris Turner is a bit mad and they get on well. Yeah. So we thought, right, there's the little combo. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Obviously, we want Twiggy on. So no, we'll see, we'll see. But we get asked about the most that and probably Michael yeah. Neil. And yeah. Um, Have you had contact with Michael? 
No, not both. No, no, me and McDerry tried to get him in Tallow time, alright, but probably wasn't the best time. Like, that was no. the end of 2012. There was. The relations were a bit frosty with the bar. Slightly bars. turbulent time, at, yeah. at that point, so. But I 100% want him on because he's a fascinating individual and definitely going to have a, an O'Neiller cast, you could say. We'll get him in person <laughs> and get him in, yeah? That'd be great. Top of the timing, though, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, I should say as well, I mean. We had three years there without live shows. Mm. So even now, we're speaking in June 2023. I feel like we have like a year of catching up to do. Of like We haven't had an end of season special yeah. or a start of season special. Yeah. The 70s show, we were... We think- used to want to do mid-season specials. Remember, you were like, stop. <laughs> stop. Stop taking all the cans off, Penny Hill. Yeah, the 70s show part two, we were thinking maybe an audience for that one. Uh, did didn't materialize, but maybe at the end of the season, like we we can do something. Well, it morphed into the player of the year awards, didn't it? The that, end of season special morphed into the player of the year awards. That's the thing. You were trying to combine the two player of the year awards, but my like I said earlier, my focus is always is it a podcast? Yeah. Whereas Gar is like he's more <laughs> event driven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, if it sounds terrible, then it's not a podcast. So I mean, it's. We sometimes we we argue over very little. I was going to ask you, like very in six little. years, have you had a falling in, out or t- in thirty four years? I don't think we've ever. Baron, I nearly blinded him, shot him in the eye with Pelican <laughs> by accident in that very chair in that yeah. exact position that he's in now. Give me flashbacks here. I don't Other want than to... that, no, we've not, we don't argue. We get we're just we just don't. Maybe the odd time we might get frustrated over schedules, but that's it. Mm. schedules are conflicting at times and they're hard. Might, we might find it hard to get it done but other than that no yeah, yeah. what about fans from other clubs have you had much reaction to the podcast from fans from other clubs we don't even want to mention them do we VHS guy <laughs> we've had a few battles with him through the years the balls from your what man that records the VHS's all I'll say about that is right if you look at our Twitter mentions with him and that with us and that individual there's a lot when we went seven games Without a win against them. Seven yeah, defeats yeah. out of eight. If you look at our Twitter interactions after that, when we <laughs> beat them five times in a row, you'll notice that he did not tweet us once. Yeah. So that's all I'll say about it. We'll drop the mic there. No, but we... we um, no, we've never really had any issues. Uh, and you don't know, like, for example... No, there's no podcast. Are, are there's no podcast community. There's... Like, I heard the uh, Sligo one when I was um, away. The Sligo The Bit of Red. One. Yeah. No, there's no podcast community there. We don't know any of them. No. Um, no, not at all, actually. Mm. Not one of them. Yeah, but you've been on between the stripes a couple of times. Yeah, I like to keep it frosty. I like <laughs> keep it frosty. <laughs> between the sheds. <laughs> between the sheds. And um, the other thing was, um, earlier on, you were talking about Bradzer and um, sometimes things can be a bit emotional on the, the podcast and the idea of the immemorium, which I think is a really nice uh, idea. And, and there's been some very, very touching and, and emotional ones of those. Absolutely, man. It's it's um, it's something that I think the prof came up with just to... I think it was more so out of his drive for content once again his drive for standards mm. and it was just genius um, just having people talk about the people that they love and the, the ones because everybody can connect with it everybody can have some sort of connection with every story that's told on In Memoriam whether they're Rovers or not they all have people they've loved that have passed and they have some sort of connection with them so I honestly can't remember what inspired. I'm trying to think it, as well it might have been Karen Connolly because 
Maureen was the first one, wasn't she? It was. Mm. I think it was. It was more I of a dedication. I think Maureen. I think mm. Maureen's anniversary was coming up, and I might have seen Karen post about it. It was. It was a dedication to Maureen, yeah. and then it just grew legs, and we said we could probably do this for a lot of people now. And there's another example, Con, about how we were we were thinking of ways for content. I think it was actually I listened to a podcast that reviewed The Wire, and. Because, I don't know if Gary Gary's saying the word, I don't know if you have, but the first season, it's set in a time, what was it, like 2002? Philly. There was still pay phones. Yeah. And so as a way of presenting the podcast, they would have fans drop in questions and they would say, oh, this person has left us a message. So they were kind of making it old school. But what actually was happening was they were sending in messages on WhatsApp. And the first three years of the podcast, so much of it was where will we do this interview it's like what was the creepy stairwell <laughs> the weird washroom yeah. weird washroom we can't do it in the stadium because the pa will be loud mm-hmm. do you want to come in to crumlin no we can't go to you you're too far away so much time was spent on where do we talk Logistics. to a person and suddenly it was like oh my god i can just be sent a voice message and i can play that in the podcast it's one of the greatest yeah. ideas we've ever had. Huzzah! <laughs> and, and that's what the memoriam is. And which is important to that one because that's emotional. That's mm. when it's just 10 questions, you know, on robbers, whatever. But in memoriam is you're trying to sum up the life of a loved one and your relationship with them. So I always say to them, okay, you have a week. Send it to me in your own mm. time. You can re-record it if you want. So but even when we did the Maureen one, it, we just started thinking, geez, Big Dick, geez, yeah. who else? And mm. all these other people that we just thought, geez, this is, yeah. this is, this is going to continue on now. Yeah. And it's quite morbid at times because you're getting great content of people who've passed, but it's also brilliant because... But it's telling their story telling as their well, story. which is, exactly, you know, yeah. again, it's, 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 what, it's what the podcast is all about, yeah. telling the sto- people's story, players' story. And we'll come up with, like, that. things have come and gone, list of hatred. The li- um, I was going to ask about that, yeah. I know. Stuff like that, like little segments and stuff like that that have come and gone, and we, we can bring them back, but the list of hatred is when we're a little bit more, I'd say... Mm. Immature it became and more of a scroll of hatred. Uh, scroll, if, if you were to unfurl yeah. it, it would go out the door. Email of hatred, but little things like that where we've kind of grown and, and grown out of things and grown legs and little things like that. But the creative process of it, it's it's I think it's all gotten to a, a point now where we can probably get better. I think we can get better. I think Aaron Green is still on that actually. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just on our memoriam, um, what I loved about it was we'd interview players and you're kind of asking them about their memories of games and trophies and so forth and we've been, we have interviewed fans on their own and we might have some stock questions what's your favourite team you saw what's your favourite player you saw but whatever about the memorial when they're when fans are remembering their dad or their friend it brings out these stories about games that you might we might have talked about on the podcast before but then you're hearing this other side about Oh, this happened on the drive up to the game and yeah. he did this in the stand and he said this and he was funny with this person and it did this on the bus and all. It opened up a whole new door, I thought, to stories and a way of hearing stories, which that's probably how I love most. Absolutely. These stories are born into the psyche of these people. They're, they're always going to remember them. Mm. Those things you, you can't help but mem- memorize vividly and things that come into your head are stuck in your head. Those are the stories that I think are brilliant that bring out in memoriam. I think it's class. 
And listen, just before we go, the 250th show coming up now, have you anything mega lined up? Well, I, I was trying Can to get the Aviva, but <laughs> it was booked out. Um, the three arena. Do you think we should do a live show, by the way, sometime? Because I think Otherwise yeah. Central have done Vicker Street, haven't they? I was looking at that. And we did, even, we did uh, oh, not Vicker Street. One up top did Sugar Club is a great Maybe absolutely 100% like we've all we've had loads of ideas like even when we were getting Patreon we were trying to get Patreon I had so many ideas for videos we've got great mm. people Philly McGuire Sure Media who'll help us out we launched Patreon a month before COVID so that like it was but, terribly unlucky um, but Philly Philly's brilliant Philly helps us out with all our videography mm. any of our, our graphic designs or anything like that and we had what we wanted to do was and this is still going to happen it's called the Tifty's Time Trial where we had fans participate in a, in a league every week. One person would do the time trial. It's in the six-yard box, or 18-yard box, and there's a there's a there's a, an activity on each corner, and then you take a pen out at the end. And it's something, some soccer AM type thing, but we were going to have a league, and that would t- entice fans in to do our Patreon. That would be the extra content. But all these little things, and I, I have my book everywhere I go, my Tifty's book, and I write stuff down all the time. And I'll be looking back from years of... 2018 mm. ideas start of season ideas end of season goals stuff like that and we've achieved them all we've achieved them all of everything that we've put in place from my little goals from me and you my little book that I have and then tick them off we've never failed but one I don't think we ever thought we were going to get to 50 anyway no um, as for ideas for that show it falls the week of that episode being released falls on the 10th anniversary of Tala Time okay. so not, not manufactured at all but <laughs> Uh, so we're going to invite uh, our old pal McDerra Ferris on to talk about the book uh, you remember that, that book launch well Con. you were, the, you were the host that day so yeah we'll have McDerra in so we'll talk about uh, that period of time 2009-2012 hopefully a sequel uh, and we have the Desi Baker interview as well so nice. try and make it a bit special yeah Yeah, absolutely and the, I think a sequel we were talking I was always talking profit about doing terrible time and then Tala Time too could come straight after so you could have a trilogy because look what's look what we've achieved now as regarding on the pitch but yeah so we will we will continue on prof we up to two fifty hopefully we're sitting here a couple of years five hundred twelve thousand yeah and maybe another star <laughs> on the crest and then there's the clamor for Hannah Mo- Hannah and uh, Harry, Harry Moore to, 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 Harry? to take yeah. over replace us they get out you old farts <laughs> let the young guys take over well look uh, on behalf of all the, the Rovers fans who, who listen in and the other fans who, who listen in maybe from other clubs but particularly the Rovers fans obviously all over the world uh, the, you, the amount of work that you put into this I think goes unnoticed sometimes by people but I can tell you and I know from doing podcasts myself a huge amount of work goes into it in, including prep um, so 200 or 200 what are we 246 now yep. 246 246 down and hopefully another few hundred to go anyway maybe a few thousand to go fingers <laughs> across uh, but again thanks guys um, you, you do an amazing job and, and I think everybody loves Tifty so keep it going and, and keep Absolutely. up the good work thanks very much it's weird being on this side of it isn't it <laughs> I don't want this to happen again actually yeah. <laughs> one time only deal no thanks Con thanks Con cheers guys Bye.